0: I mean, your intro sucked anyway, Ted. So you should probably try to, you know, be better at it.
1: Ooh, I caught that. Rick, I recorded that, so that's being used in some <laughs> way. Yeah, definitely.
2: Blue Tiger Revenge, brought to you by Narpig. Hit the music.
3: That's right, Cubs, because it's time for another episode of the bluest revenge that you can find on the in- the Dark Web, the intellectual Dark Web. This is Blue Tiger Revenge. I am comic book creator
1: Ted Galusha. The Milkman.
3: The Milkman. I keep forgetting that. And with me, practicing, I guess to do voiceovers, but you know him, I know him, we love him, the king of beards, Big Brian Bales. How's it going, Big Brian? It's going good.
1: It's going good.
3: Uh, you Before we started recording, <laughs> you were uh, you were laying down some some potential like we need to come up with a good intro we had a good one before with you know before the revenge
1: yeah we took over yeah the revenge quest but uh i could probably know, i could probably whip something up with like explosions and shit in the background and like some but, but what
3: would you say
2: Ooh, hmm <clears throat> when the cream rises to the top Blue Tiger Revenge In a world Where the cream only rises To the top And revenge is best served With a giant Heaping glass Of tiger milk This is you gonna say, Blue Tiger Revenge I thought you were going to say Served Blue <laughs> That's what you
3: thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man, dude. We were just kind of spitballing. You were like, "Oh, we should have the movie guy." Yeah. I think you, I think you have the voice, man. I don't Thank think you. we need. I don't think we need to drop a hundred bucks to have some guy. Let's
1: hear from the Cubs. If you think that that we should have a guy do it, or if you think I should just do it, you just let us know. Blue Tiger Revenge at Substack dot com. Send us an email. Let us know.
3: Do you like how our intro just keeps getting
1: longer? Yeah. Longer. That's okay. That's okay. We should
3: just like we should extend cocaine and uh, Sunset" like out for like five minutes because the Tiger clubs they love it, right? Just, they just, love the music. Yeah, just loop it. Yeah,
1: right. I'm down with that.
3: Man, so uh, are we got some time before our uh, our guests arrive? We do. Yeah. What uh, what's what's brewing in the comic book world? Anything? Uh, no, no, no. You know what? I did finally watch the Shazam trailer. Oh, yeah. And then I watched – there was another trailer that came out. Oh, the Batman trailer. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Can I just be honest? Yes. Batman – when they do those – when there's, like, the photos of him, like, walking. Yeah. I I don't know if it's just because the actor's build or what, but he looks like – he looks like a guy, go- like a a young man wearing his dad's like winter jacket. That's what it reminds <laughs> me of. I don't know why, but I think it's just the way the collar sits on his face and stuff. Yeah, his face looks so small. It, it
1: just the proportions look off. I, I'll be honest. I I I like parts of the suit, right? I like parts of the suit, but the suit as a whole, I don't love it.
3: I I almost you know I I got a little confused because it was like. He's fighting a Joker gang, but they're supposed to be for the Riddler. Yeah. And then – you know what I did like? Catwoman was cool.
1: She was awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then I also liked the Batmobile. That might have been like the coolest version of the Batmobile because that's what I always envisioned. Like why doesn't it just have like a – but then I mean, again –
1: I'm pretty it, sure Vin
2: Diesel built it for him. Probably. But you know what? Hey, they're kind of doing don't, that you thing – you don't need it when you got family. <laughs> oh, well, there's Alfred. He's in it. Yeah,
3: I they got, the one thing that always kind of bugs me about the Batman universe, and I know you're not a big Christian Bale guy. Yeah, but that Christian Bale franchise was probably the only one that got it right. Is they can never pick what like their lane for time frame. Where Christian Bale like rolled into, you know, what was that, 2010 or whatever? They're like, Nope, it's two thousand ten. We're pushing the tech as far as we can. Sure. Where in mean, the at other the, ba- at the end
1: of the dark night, he essentially created the Patriot Act, but
3: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. it seems like uh, like we're in this like nineteen twenties city with nineteen twenties technology and looking cars, and then all of a sudden it's like well, Wi-Fi, where's the Wi-Fi connection? You're like,
4: wait, 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 wait,
0: Right. So
3: I always get a little lost. It's like, why would you use even a souped up, like, 1975 or whatever muscle car is going to be dog shit compared to, like, the Uber driver with his Tesla? You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to even fire off the line at the, the same kind of speed and stuff.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, no, that's yeah. not true. I <laughs> mean, I don't think, know. You, you think like a like a Hemi Dodge Dude. Charger is going to get smoked by a Tesla? No, no, just maybe like right off the uh, the starting line, maybe. No. You don't think so?
3: No. I'm not a car guy.
1: Not a, No, 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 no,
3: no. I don't know. I just, the last couple times I've ridden in, we'll just say super, like, We'll just say muscle cars from the seventies
1: they were kind of dog shit it, well that's the thing though is you know, even though it looks like a muscle car, you know what's under the hood what's under the hood these counts. ones
3: all had like st- you know like
1: stuff from the seventies yeah,
3: see that's it was
1: all original,
3: and they handled not only was people forget there was no power steering or anything, so they handled like shit they s i mean they sounded amazing, but yeah, yeah, I
1: don't know. Do you get my point though? With like the, I do. you have to yeah, you know pick a frame. pick a time frame, right? Yeah, I get that yeah. they're trying like Gotham, right? It's all gothic and old school looking, but you, you still yeah. need to.
3: Okay, okay. How about this? That. They had a, I think they had a scene with like the bad guys in like a like a like a Model T or something like that, and I think it got flipped over. Maybe it was one of the Batman movies recently. And I, I, just no remember, I just remember there was some scene with a Model T, and I remember Batman, like, maybe it could have been the Christian Bale one, and then, like, Batman, like, riding up on them, And I was like, dude, you don't need the Batmobile to catch that Model T. You could probably just run and catch it because <laughs> right. it's such a piece of shit. You know what I <laughs> mean? <Yeah. laughs> like no now we've lost suspension. both
1: hardcore Batman movie fans and mm-hmm. car enthusiasts. Oh. They're yeah. gone. They're gone. Probably write us hate mail, bitches.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, you know what I? What I did watch though? Yeah. I finally broke down because you kept talking about it as I watched the Flash trailer. And? Um, I mean, the last like two seconds was amazing. The rest of it, I
1: psh, yeah. Man. I'm the same. I didn't. I I thought uh, so. Are we having two? Like, do we have the TV flash a movie flasher? And is that what's going on? No, they're both, both the flashes are both played by Ezra Miller. So neither of them will be able to run. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> totally out, man. I'm excited. Like, Supergirl and Batman, I'm in. So. Is there a Supergirl movie? No, Supergirl is in The Flash.
3: Oh, how did I miss that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the short, dark-haired gal is Supergirl. It was interesting. They actually
3: showed the um,
1: the Batmobile. I mean, it was underneath a tarp, but yeah. it, that was kind of cool. I know. I, I wonder if he's, like, messed with the tech at all or if it's still just, you know, fresh from 89. <laughs> Keep it fresh from 89. <laughs> That actually would make it hilarious is he's got this like thirty year old tech, you know, and they're all like, Are are you fucking serious here, Bruce? Like what what is this? You just got criminals laughing at him.
3: <laughs> he doesn't wanna he doesn't he doesn't want to embrace no the five G network man, they'll put shit in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: you, uh, you can't you can't you can't uh, improve a classic though, so that's yeah, true
3: yeah as long as it looks the
1: same that's all
3: that's i care all about matter. yeah
1: yeah are you gonna
3: see dune this weekend i think it comes out this Is weekend out this weekend yeah. yeah
1: i'll probably check it out i'll probably people I, are fired up for it. yeah i feel like it's gonna be very long oh at least three hours yeah that's that's uh the director uh dennis um uh didn't he do? He did the last Blade Runner. Yeah, I right? can't remember his last name. uh I can't remember. Yeah, I I, I can't remember his last name. But uh, but yeah, no, he he did Blade Runner, which I enjoyed, but it was so long. I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to see it in theaters. If I'm being honest. Really? Yeah.
3: I, I, did you read the books or see the original, the uh-uh. David
1: Lynch film? I have not.
3: That people bagged on? People did not like it when that movie came out.
1: Yeah. No, that I was. haven't I haven't seen I haven't seen it, but uh I okay. just I remember enjoying Blade Runner, but I remember just being like, Oh my god, this movie is long and I don't Yeah. Know.
3: I mean Blade Runner, I love the movies uh, both of them. Yeah. I mean, especially the first one, but I even mean, if you go back and watch the first one, it's pretty slow, you know? It I is. mean that was kind of the style, like they were going for like a like you know, like a what do you call it? Like it was supposed to be like a a noir, noir like a crime yeah. noir, yeah. But you know, I,
1: I talked to a guy. This was maybe last year. who, yeah. uh, He was he was talking about Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, the sequel, and he yeah. was just he was gushing about Blade Runner 2049, and then was really? talking about how bad the first one was, and it was just.
2: It was like really. It was, just, it was corny, and the the special effects were terrible, and.
1: Just it came sure. out before Star Wars. Like, what the fucks he
2: talking about?
1: It's like, wha- like what like what? it was so far ahead
3: of its time. It was, I mean, I can understand if you're if you're completely unaware of the timeline and when it came out and you just watch it as like a movie goer now, you'd be like, really, this is the big deal. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but no one had ever done anything like that before. That's why it was such a big deal, right? You know, right. I mean, they tried, like, with special effects and stuff, but, like, go watch it. It's still—the the effects hold up they, really fucking The effects fucking hold well. up,
1: the story holds up, like, get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, I mean, how old is that film now, like— 81, 82, somewhere around there. Is that when it came out? Yeah, so it didn't—it it came out after Star Wars, but— Okay, um, but, like, very close. Yeah. Go look at Star Wars special effects, man. Like,
3: it's cool, but it looks— it looks like it's for a. It looks
1: like a family movie compared to. Oh yeah, I I played.
2: like.
1: I find the behind the scenes stuff more of Star Wars more interesting than, of the effects yeah. more interesting than the movies because, a lot of like the interior sets were all uh, paint giant paintings and then minifigures. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cool, how they man. had to do. I know. It's just all of that. It's stuff awesome. I love it.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I can't believe somebody would bag though on Blade Runner. I mean, like, yeah, it was a product of its time, but it was like, like it was sp- ahead of its time. I would argue. Yeah, and it really, uh, like cyberpunk, like it really, yeah. like for how we visualize cyberpunk. Yeah, like go watch Fifth Element. Fifth Element just like is like a CGI rip of like the world that they created in Blue
2: and like would, Blade Runner. I would,
1: I would, I would bet money that his favorite movies are like the new Jurassic Parks. I. <laughs> hate him (laughs) that's just my Uh, guess i don't know
3: god i just watched the was it lost world revolution trailer or whatever it is oh the The new new... one yeah and i just hate it because like the guy the i forget the director i don't know if it's Colin trevorrow or one of them he was all he yeah before they like they had a little like thing where he's like yeah we're getting the dinosaurs right we're updating them we're doing all this stuff then they debut the trailer and it's like Cretaceous period, North America. You're like, okay. So late Cretaceous, sort of like 67 million years ago. I'm guessing Laramidia. They don't have any of the trees right. <laughs> then they have Giganotosaurus in there fighting the T Rex, which Giganotosaurus was in Africa. I think it was in Africa or South America. I think it was South America. It was South America. Yeah, that's right. South America wasn't in North America so it was in a completely
1: different continent it wasn't even in you know wasn't all La- one giant continent back then
3: No no oh. it had split up so like North America was actually two continents so you had Laramidia and then you had the I can't remember ever remember the mm-hmm. what the east coast was so there was a like a basically a, an oceanic seaway that split oh, North that's America into right, in yeah, two, yeah, right yeah. through Kansas yeah and um yeah, but so then they have, and then like uh, I just read a paper today um, where they were going because the the big thing is like the Giganotosaurus, It's bigger than the T Rex. Well, technically, it's like two feet longer or something like that. But like weight wise, intelligence wise, the T Rex would have fucking is like it's heavier, it's smarter. It would have fucking – you know. It's like a it's it'd be like a t- like a tandem bicycle versus a or a, we'll say um yeah or like a motorcycle like a like a Harley Davidson as the T-Rex versus like a, a a highway legal uh moped or something you know like <laughs> yeah. that's yeah yeah it's just it's not even comparable um yeah and yeah it's just there's there's so many things they got wrong and you're just like did you did you guys even talk to like paleontologists anyone they or They probably
1: it, did and then we're like yeah we're going to do this though
3: yeah, I mean it's just one of those. I mean it looked beautiful. Don't give me wrong, It, CJ, does. it was yeah, awesome. It, it, it looks really cool, it but does. I don't know how I don't even, I mean I don't know what I guess my the one thing I keep wondering is like, well, where would all these other new dinosaurs pop up? They only took so many off the island when it blew up in the last one, right? Yeah. So,
2: are they
1: going to the other island?
2: We found an undiscovered island
1: <laughs> where we used to make dinosaurs. So, we brought them to the mainland. Yeah.
3: <laughs> to see what would happen. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure it'll have very cool
1: visuals. I just, I'm expecting the movie to blow from being honest. Oh, oh yeah. I don't think I, I think I saw Jurassic world. Ugh. I don't think I saw the second one.
3: I wasn't going to see it. And then I, it was on some weird do- Well, I was working on Cretaceous at the time when Jurassic world came out, I think.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, and it was like a Thursday night, and then the theater down the road from us that was literally within walking distance, was like, "Oh, hey, we still have openings, midnight nice showing, Thursday night. And I, I don't know I was like ten minutes out, and I was like, "Fuck it." So I bought one online, ran down there, watched the movie in disgust. And, <laughs> and, and then rage, rage walk back home. yeah, that's I awesome. walk at. Him. I well, I, got, I was like, oh, I want to see the T-Rex. That'll be cool. And uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?
1: Well, I think it's time. Oh, you know, is it? Are they here? Well, it's about. It's There's about time. There's one other thing. Okay. It's one
3: other thing. Did you actually pre-order that 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 toy I sent you? I did this morning. Tell tell the tiger cubs what. Oh what, yeah, Nika
1: is 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 uh, bringing back the. Uh, tmnt uh universal monsters figure line so first one up is a uh frankenstein raphael i gotta admit it looked pretty badass yeah so i i forgot that they used to do that with all the toys with all the like turtle toys they had this is why you love leo because leo is creature of the black lagoon oh is he really in the original i don't know if they're gonna keep keep them all the same but i might i might have to get that you can't just get one. You got to have all four.
3: Well, they're also they just announced. I think uh, Mezco is doing a Universal Monsters series. Oh, yeah. Excellent. I gotta be honest. The only one that really I thought looked cool was the Frankenstein. Mm. But um, I don't know.
1: I'll, I'll leave that up to the Tiger Cubs. All right. Well, let's right. Uh, let's go let our special guest in. Guests. Guests. Plural. That's right.
4: Check, one, two. Tiger Milk. Tiger Milk. I like Tiger Milk. Give us some more of that, please. Tiger Milk.
3: And we're back in the Tiger Den with the guys, the main guys, the only guys from 80% Studios. Demi Maharis. And Casey Silver,
1: what's going up, on guys?
3: guys?
0: Hey, up, thanks, Noah, thanks doing? for having us. Yeah, <laughs> was that was that intro a little bit better? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Hold on, I, I would get my air guitar going.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: there it is. I like it. So, I met you
3: guys well for the first time in the flesh just a couple months ago when you guys were down. You guys were up here in Alaska promoting your your. I, I want to. It's not a debut book. But like it's your, it's 80%'s like
0: first big book, right? Yeah, it's our first graphic novel. I mean, we did five issues of another series way, way back in the day, long, long yeah. ago. Um, but uh, this is definitely a, a new chapter for 80% Studios for sure. You know, that's right.
3: Chickaloonies. You guys are promoting Chickaloonies. We're going to get into all what, like everything was about. Yeah. Um But uh first thing I'm going to ask is just, Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, how you guys holding up? It's been a kind of crazy year and a half, two years.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind of worked out to our advantage a little bit. Really? A little bit. I mean, COVID is the reason why we got the book done. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 Demi. uh Dimmy was fucking toiling away hurting his back doing fucking lawn work for for pennies out in the out in the sun and uh, uh, it was tough you know I worked a day job and he was working and it really took COVID happening and uh, him being out of work and being able to just focus on doing the book and that's, uh, that's awesome. Know, we really put it together over the, the year and a half and we just we reached a point where we were like man screw this you know i uh you know we, we're we're just gonna do this and um it been i don't know maybe like a year since we did anything so we had to kind of like break the rust off and, and kind of rebuild the machine as it were mm-hmm. um but i feel like we we came back better and uh uh where we are now is definitely stronger than where we were um but yeah, so... You know. I would
3: say you guys built a pretty damn good machine. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll just go right into it. Yeah. Chickaloonies, not only is it an amazing looking book, but um, it's pretty special too. Like it's a very unique book, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys on here just to kind of... I mean, you guys have already done like, uh, I guess what do you call it? Like a soft release. You guys are toured all over Alaska selling hundreds of copies. Yeah. Maybe thousands. Yeah. No yeah. we, we,
0: we have yeah, I mean, you know, it actually an 80% first is we we sold over three digits, or yeah, so awesome. you know, that's a that's a solid thing. Yeah, it's the first time in like 12 years we didn't lose money. So I'm calling <laughs> that like a hard fucking win. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, you guys are
5: you guys are doing better than most of the companies then. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, right. Yeah, right. You mean comic companies, right? Comic book yeah. companies, comedy. Yes. That's what we're we're kind of actively working to avoid. So to speak, yeah. you know, that yeah. whole
0: rat race. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, Tad knows, but I, I basically been doing the last like three and a half, four years working in comics, doing coloring. And that was long enough for me to know that that's not what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. even though it was like my lifelong dream to work in comics. And you get there and you're like, oh, wait, this still sucks. It's just <laughs> a cog in a creative machine, but you're still a cog, right. you know? And, uh, uh, who was it that said comics will break your heart? The well, king. Supposedly it was Kirby, you know, but that's also come out that that was like that. He didn't really say that. He said something close to it. But as yeah. always, the legend is better. And yeah, that right. whole like comics will break your heart thing. I mean, dude, like I'm going to get that tattooed on my ass, you know, yeah. like right next to the 80% thing. Just be like, boom, comics will break your one, heart. One on, e- one on each cheek. Yeah, well, I already have one cheek taken up, so oh, I'm going to have okay. to, you know. <laughs> So, so uh, just, for another just, day, maybe. Just went in a
1: weird direction really fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we do, right? It's True. hey on
3: the surface, we're calm waters. It's a comic book podcast.
0: Underneath, it's just fucking- I'm going to get that tattooed on my ass. <laughs> yeah. That's right, dude. No, man, you'll remember this one. People will be like, oh, yeah, I remember those guys. It was that guy with the ass cheek tag. Yeah, man, cool. <laughs>
3: yeah. So uh, I guess I get we got to get into Chickalonies, man. Yes, um, please. And I keep saying I've been telling people about this book since I first met you guys. It's not only is it, I think, superbly crafted, but it's one of the most unique voices. Uh, Probably. I'm just going to say on the market right now because because it is on the market. People can go to ninety percent studios right now and eighty percent studios it. right or eighty percent god ninety what the fuck maybe we should change yeah, it we, to
0: ninety and now we're doing yeah maybe. now it's yeah, ninety now we're doing yeah. a little better yeah <laughs> like eighty two and a half percent you know we're getting yeah. up there a little bit
3: but uh I mean like well let us just I, I want to hear from you guys like how would you guys describe Chickaloonies? So Chickaloonies,
0: is, it's an it's all-ages Alaskan tribal adventure about two Alaskan Native kids who set on a quest to become the greatest storytellers the world has ever seen. We follow our two main characters, Sasquatch Emoji and Mr. Yelly, as they have to use the teachings of their grandma, the language of their tribe, and their imagination as they journey to foreign lands to learn from new cultures, share the knowledge of their own, and maybe at the end of the day, they might save the village. It's a coming of age story about legends, language, magic, and the journey of discovering one's own story in our ever-changing world. God damn, that was <laughs>
3: <is laughs> How yeah. you said that
0: sound really official? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next. Yeah. You uh, think awesome. you
3: guys just got done doing a tour where you're giving presentations oh, and um so yeah. how did? how did I mean, how did I kind of, I already know how this book kind of came to be, but, but I, I don't I
1: want to know. I want to know everything. Yeah yeah dimmy Demi, dimmy Demi, Demi, yeah we, should, we down, should back it, it up a
5: little bit yeah uh, before before chicka i mean yeah. um i think we really you know, i really appreciate what you said about it being unique that's uh, yeah, that's a huge compliment yeah. i mean it really is a huge compliment um but i think that's a testament to the creative process that casey and i have developed over the past 10 years i mean we Um, you know we both wanted to be in comics we've both had you know ideas of you know making stories and making comics ever since we were you know little kids or whatever but you know uh when i met when i met casey um i was kind of like hey i'm looking for somebody to uh, work on books with do you know anybody who you know like is a writer or wants to work with an artist or this or that and uh You know, I I was uh, living in Seattle. I'm living in Seattle at at the time and walked into the comic book shop downtown, Xanadu Comics, rest in peace. And yeah, um, yeah, Casey was behind the counter. So I asked him and he was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, he was like, comics will break your heart. So I was like, all right, whatever. (laughs) And so I walked out and then I came back a couple of weeks later and I was like, I was like, Hey man, it's me. You remember I was looking for somebody to work on books with. And so that's when Casey was like, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm interested in working on comic books. I was like, well, cool. Let's let's hang out. And I think it was pretty uh, immediate that we realized that we had a lot of the same inspirations and a lot of the same goals. And working together for a, you know over a decade now, I think we've kind of created a language like a storytelling voice that you know neither of us. Uh, would be able to do on our own. So I think that that's, that's a, uh, that's kind of where the uniqueness of Chickaloonies comes from mm-hmm. is this, you know, machine that we've developed working on. And you, uh,
3: I mean, and I mean, to get kind of into the nitty gritty, I mean, this is a, a native Alaskan book. Like yeah. you're from Alaska. You're from the Chickaloon village, correct?
5: I am. I'm a Chickaloon village, tribal citizen. I was born and raised in Alaska um, you know, grew up going to, to Bosco's Comics, comic shop downtown, and Hell yeah. uh, fell in love with comics during the, the image boom of the 90s. I kind of held off. I knew what comics were. I appreciated comic book art, but it wasn't until I saw issue number two of Savage Dragon on the, the playground when I was in sixth grade that it just, something in me was just like, boom, that's it. Comic books is kind of like my obsession, and I've never looked back Wow. So, you know, during that time, I ended up uh, attending Yanida'a Tribal School. It's Alaska's first uh, tribally run and operated and owned K through 12 school that my grandma helped start. I was like in seventh grade. So I attended that, that school for the first two years when I was a kid. And it's interesting because it was the exact same time that I really got obsessed with comic books. So, you know, at the school, we learned, you know, language and drumming. And alongside kind of regular curriculum stuff. And all the while I'm basically just drawing and not paying attention to my homework and trying to practice doing comic book
4: art.
5: Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a huge part of my life and a huge part of my history stories and stories that my grandma passed down. And uh, so this, you know, this chapter of 80% studios, this project has kind of been a return to my roots a little bit and uh, wanted to make something uniquely Alaskan, four Alaskan kids, something that uh, Alaskan people could relate to.
3: And I'd say you did a pretty damn good job of that. I mean, one of the main characters is a Sasquatch for God's sakes. I mean, like,
1: (laughs) yeah. You guys believe in Sasquatch? Of course we did. Do we did a Bigfoot special? Yeah, really?
3: We did. Yeah. We had, um, I have been graced in life of meeting a few people who have had experiences uh, one of them's also native Alaskan. Uh, he I forget where his family's from somewhere up North, like Yukon region. And, uh, he was actually just up here uh, a couple months ago. Uh, and he was, he was up there. They, I think they were going on like a bit of a Bigfoot hunt, if you know what I mean.
5: Um, wow. yeah. They, he, was it auditory t- or visual? What was, did he, did he mention what the encounter was? Uh, I his was, was visual. visual. It was visual. Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. He, uh, he t- he takes it very seriously. He said he's coming back up this summer too. Cause they weren't able to get to the place where he wanted to go. It was too wow. far out. Um, yeah. I might go with him. Probably going to go with, I grew up with him. So uh, he was like, I'm going to go up there again. You want to go? I'm like in the,
5: and- in the the winter or I mean in the, the summertime.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. His, uh, his, I think, I think it was his uncle that you have to take, we have to go way up river up in some region by boat and his uncle was like, we're we're not doing that in the winter time. We'll die. (laughs) He's like, be ready in July. I was like, okay, let's do it. But yeah. yeah. Um, But enough about me. Uh, Why, why, what made you pick Bigfoot as one of your characters?
5: um i've i'm also obsessed with bigfoot and sasquatch and the whole phenomenon and, you know cryptids in general and yeah. you know i had an experience when i was a kid and oh. uh, i was actually actually when i was attending yanni da school i lived with my grandma so that was uh outside of palmer you know i wouldn't say it was like way out in the sticks but it was definitely off the beaten path so there was a lot of woods there and um uh, you know, I had, I had an experience and I've heard my, uh, I've had cousins, you know, in the, in the same area who've also had experiences. And to me it was real and it affected me. And I remember it just like it was yesterday and I was shook and, uh, you know, I, I've kind of like always been interested in looking on, you know, YouTube and finding books and reading up, but I'm actually pretty, you know, pretty obsessed with, with the topic. Oh, so,
3: you, you know, you I, this, us, can you give us the story?
5: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like late in the afternoon in the winter. So, you know, pitch black, because it's Alaska. And uh, it was after school. And I remember we, uh, my brother, my younger brother and I were playing out in the front yard, my grandma's house, she's got this big open yard. And uh, next to the yard is this big uh, rock garden that they built out. So it's basically just like a hill that goes up and on top of the hill there's just dense forest. And so we're outside playing around in the snow, you know, pitch black. the only light was the light from the uh, the school. so it's casting kind of a you know a light it didn't even light up the whole yard or anything. But out of nowhere on top of that hill, I heard the this low, loud, grumble growling yell and it was prolonged i want to say it lasted for at least 10 seconds like moaning groaning vocalizing and it was directed towards us i could feel it whatever was up there was was watching us and made this like noise that was getting our attention i didn't feel like it was aggressive but it really you know like this was just disturbing noise and Hmm. And I, you know, what I mean. we both like froze and looked at each other and ran inside. And, you know, I, I don't think my grandma took me seriously at the time, but grandma knew, you know, and grandma t- would talk about it. And she said that that was a thing, you know, that they were out there and they had certain areas that they were at, but, you know, fast forward till, you know, a couple of years ago, and I'm always on YouTube kind of researching and rabbit holing different, you know, caught on film, caught on, you know, yeah. audio, Bigfoot stuff. And I found a guy who has recorded a bunch of activity and it sounds almost exactly like what I heard. So to me, it's real. To me, it's magical. I say I divide uh Bigfoot and Bigfoot believers into two schools. I mean, okay. you think it's a physical, scientific, you know, animal that's existing out in the woods that hasn't been found yet, or sure. it's interdimensional and it's magical. Um, I think that's like a dividing line between people who are into the topic. And I'm definitely into the magical side of it. That's just kind of the type of person I am. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you yeah, know, I mean, I've always loved it. I uh
3: I don't know. My wife and I had, uh, I guess you could say, an encounter back yeah. in college, down in the oh. the down in the Blue Mountains. Do, do you guys know where that's at?
5: No. So oh. it's
3: like, uh, uh, the Waloa National Forest down there. It's right where Oregon, Washington, and Idaho meet. Oh, and oh. so we were we were right outside the town of Joseph. There's a park there, and a buddy, uh, a guy, my boss that I worked with at Washington oh. State University said, "Oh, hey." you get on there Memorial day weekend, they haven't opened the trail up yet. So, but you can go back hiking up there and you can just, you know, there's, if you get far enough back, there's a bunch of lakes and stuff. And um, so we went down there, just her and I, and that, and we got so far in and we ended up camping at like uh, a pond. And that night uh, when we were making the fire, we had a mountain lion come in and it just walked right into the, the way we were camping. There was like a natural blind. So you couldn't see us until you, basically walked you're basically right at the water's edge and then to the right of it that's where we were and we had a little tent and everything and um so you know if you're a person an animal anything you just you couldn't see us until you were right at the water's edge and we had done that accidentally so like you know the cougar was a little spooky but then later that night um we had something come into our camp and uh we had the dogs in the tent and they started growling and i could see something coming through the woods it was big very big and i just i saw something grab the branches of the the trees stood probably around like 6 feet high and i just saw Whoa. something like grab one of the big boughs or boughs and pull it back to step forward like you know it's come basically stepped right into our campsite and then it just stopped and stood there and uh it obviously saw us cuz my I had a German Shepherd Malamute mix at the time and she's I'm hanging on to her, like just uh, grabbed onto her and she's sitting there just all the hairs up and she's growling and stuff and just fucking like losing her shit. And I'm just sitting there just sweating, just sweating <laughs> through my shirt. I mean, it felt like it lasted 15 minutes, but it probably only lasted like maybe two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Whoa, without dude. a without a sound. Um, and, they, you know, it was one of those, like its head and stuff was in the trees, but I could see most, most of the body, like the silhouette just standing there because it was right outside, you know, the, the little bit of dying firelight that we had from the campfire. And, um, and then it just silently stepped back and then disappeared. And I didn't sleep all night. Cause I was just like, it could be, it could be behind the tent. It could be right. oh, standing over us that I wouldn't even know. And the dogs were like all weirded out all night. And everything and uh, you know shack oh, goes
1: camping there every year right
3: that was no, the thing i've kidding. had people be like well maybe it was some guy and i'm like dude we, <laughs> were, so, we were like if you were hiking out there at 2 a.m in the morning you would have died like because it's mm-hmm. just it was such a vertical and i'd somebody say oh maybe it was a grizzly and i was like dude i've seen bears my whole life mm-hmm. they, they don't do that they make so much noise you can hear them you know especially if they know you're there they snort and they just, you know, they make all those weird, like, almost like pig noises. And, oh. um, this thing didn't make a sound. It just stood there. It was so freaky.
0: So uh, crazy, and then,
3: and yeah. And I think it kind of did like, you know, like, what like, so I used to be one of those where I was hard, like it's an animal, you know, and everything, it, it, our entire interaction had, it seemed like maybe it was an animal, you know, like, cause it was, it did that thing like what deer do, you know, or elk or even a moose. When they see you, they just freeze. Mm-hmm. They don't move, especially when they're surprised. They're just, they're almost like they're calculating what the next move is going to be. Are you going to do something or are they going to react? You right. know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, but now I kind of sit somewhere in the middle. I heard, um, I can't remember who it was, but he was talking about like, um, you know, people have all see these things, like you're saying cryptids, right. Or, um, things mm-hmm. they can't explain. And I keep Finding myself kind of going back to like, what if there is this thing where like there's a time loop? We're almost like, um, oh, you see it with ghosts, you see it with you know all that kind of right. stuff, where it's an instance in time that some some for some reason there's some reverberation and it has an overlap with the the time we reside in now, and so you're seeing something like maybe there was we were talking about uh, like this like with
1: an, Sloan last week.
3: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's as like, you know, because you, you hear about sometimes people go, oh, you know, out in the you know, Canadian Yukon, they saw, you know, they claim they saw mammoths in like 1920, mm-hmm. which did they? We don't know, you know, like the evidence, but then at the same time, the people claiming to see mammoths would have no idea what a mammoth would look like and they'd describe it perfectly, Whoa. you know, with a hey. trunk and and fur. So I was kind of thinking, like, what if what if it is like a time? What if I'm seeing some kind of like North American ape that we wouldn't know it exists because fossils of apes are impossible to find anyways. Like, like we only know that African apes exist because they live in our timeline. There's basically no fossil records of chimpanzees or gorillas. So if they didn't exist when we existed, yeah, there's like none, except for like maybe a tooth or something. I did not know that.
5: Right. The Gigantopithecus tooth.
3: Right. Yeah. You have like Gigantopithecus tooth, right? Which is, We only know it from a jaw fragment and that was found what in the twenties or something in like a a Chinese, like a medicine shop. And, but the same thing goes for Africa. So like gorillas and chimpanzees, we would not even know those exist if they had they existed 10,000 years ago, 15,000 years ago, if it hadn't been for the fact that they survived to today. So I was kind of like, maybe, maybe that's what we experienced. And then the best part is, is I didn't even tell you the next morning when we woke up from that, uh, or, you know, we got up and I thought maybe I dreamt the whole thing, right? I me mean, it was just a super living dream. <laughs> and I asked my wife, I go, hey, did something come into our camp last night? And she goes, yeah, you woke me up saying that you thought maybe there was a Bigfoot in the camp. And I go, and you told me to just be quiet, leave it alone. It'll go away. And she goes, yeah, because that's what big animals do. They don't want anything to do with you. Just leave it alone. So she was more pissed that I woke her up. She could give two shits oh, that we made. Yeah. And, and, and even now. Yeah. Even now we talk about it sometimes. She's like, yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're <laughs> just maybe you're just crazy. That's
1: oh my what goodness. my wife would do too. Just livid that I woke her up. Yeah. Oh my God. That's
3: yeah.
0: But, funny.
3: Right, yeah. But now I'm I'm like in that where I don't know if there's a is it a physical being? Is it something, like you said, that exists like in magic? Is it something that's in the middle? I don't know. I, I don't yeah.
5: Or like a ghost, like you said, I mean, what's to say that yeah, it's not a ghost, yeah. like a poltergeist happening in your right. house that could happen in the woods or, right. yeah. you know, like uh, we were talking about going up to, uh, I think it was Rainier, No Mount St. Helen's ape Canyon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. There was like a lot of that activity. And then that the, the volcano blew and it basically filled in that Canyon. And I was like, you know, going up there to explore around. What if you're encountering Bigfoot ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I just started thinking about it and I got freaked out. <laughs> I
3: do love, I I do love like all the, you know, like if you go down those rabbit holes on YouTube or something, you can find like reports during after the Mount St. Helens blew, you know the uh, the military came in and were rescuing, and then you have guys that like that claim that they saw like the military like pulling bodies out because they didn't you know yeah put foot bodies and all that shit it's an X
0: Files
1: shit man oh Did yeah they, and I then love, they had all, this stuff, all of those right? all of those poor privates. Who were who were pulling the Bigfoots out? Bigfoot bodies. They they were all killed in.
0: Oh well, yeah. yeah sure. oh, I, I mean, you can't leave any oh. Come on, right. I mean, you, you wouldn't sure. be doing
3: your job.
1: Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but now your guys' Bigfoot in is little. He's he's friendly. He's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He's not walking into people's camp at 2 a.m. and just standing over them. Making him (laughs) like perspirate.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, no. I mean, well, unless you have a hamburger. If you have a hamburger, he might creep up on you and be like, "What's up? You finish that, you know." (laughs) But other than that, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You guys Um, did
3: something really interesting with
0: him too. Is
3: he doesn't actually speak, right? You you have him communicate using actual emojis.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is we language is a huge part of the book. It's a huge yeah. uh, theme and uh, we thought it'd be cool to do something where that's unique to comic books. Cause my, my, my biggest pet peeves with comic books these days is that they're vastly failed screenplays, you know, or they're made to be <laughs> like movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the coolest thing that I like about comics is being able to interplay words and pictures together in a way that no other medium can even touch. And, uh, it's very rarely done and um, we wanted to kind of try to add to that and this idea that emoji, you know, speaks where it's like it's there and sometimes it's just a sound and other times we kind of want to bring it to where it's going to be something that could be physically interacted with. Right. Like maybe yeah. they need something and then emoji would speak it and Yelly can like literally grab it out of the balloon and use it. You know, and also play with like who can understand him, you know, like Moji or Yelly and grandma can understand him and stuff. But as we move throughout the rest of Alaska and and the world, the realm, um, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of play with that idea of going to a new land where maybe you can't, you know, you don't know the language and being able to use this kind of pictorial thing almost as like a, a sign language in a way to not only communicate, But to maybe unlock things or get out of a jam or get into a jam. um, There's just a lot that we can play with. And um, uh, it it came out of something really dumb. You know, me and me and Demi were sitting in a coffee shop and Demi was like, how come there's not a Sasquatch emoji? And he was like, wait, that's a great name. And I was like, dude. You know, um, so that's kind of kind of where it came from. Yeah. Um, and then and then the same
5: conversation <laughs> sitting there having the same cup of coffee. What happened next? Casey?
0: Oh, yeah. So We're sitting there and, and I'm facing out the window and he's got us back to this guy. And then we were at this part of town where there are a bunch of homeless people and this guy just walking around fucking yelling. And he had this big bag and he'd like pick it up, walk a little bit, put it down look at somebody they look at him and he just start fucking yelling at him and i was like god mr yelly over there and demi just stops looks at me he's like that's There's our it. guy you know <laughs> and that was like the very initial uh spark of the characters and um i think that was like 2015 demi you were working on the battle book battle book yeah yeah so in 2015 demi uh uh Had a rare, you know, summer of smoking weed, and uh, he started, and he gets into these really cool creative modes when he does that, and we did this really great, that still stands as my favorite things, uh, kind of a coloring book called Battle Book, that had all of 80% characters as like super deformed characters, and in the back are the very, very first drawings of Sasquatch Emoji and uh, Mr. Yelly. And, oh. uh, you know, six years later, they're, they're now, you know, main characters, but it was cool that, uh, you know, they got put there and it's really something that's, um, you know, you can, you never know when ideas are going to come back. Yeah. You know, you just you write these things down or you put them in there. I mean, you know, I'm sure you have stories that have just kind of sat in you for years and years and waiting for uh-huh. the time when, you know, uh-huh. you're going to tell it. You know, mean, and sometimes that time never comes and sometimes it just hits you over the head and sometimes it happens and you don't notice it. And then you're like, shit, you know, um, I think that's life.
3: COVID COVID I mean. has kind of forced a lot of people to kind of have that realization that like. Time is fleeting.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I'm life is fragile. Like you have to, like if you, if there's something you want to do, now's the time to do it. I think that's what you it, have. Exactly. Like so many people like that are resigning from their jobs and going after the things
0: they want yep. to do and that sort of stuff. Yep. Cause it's like,
3: what's yeah. the point? What's the point, you know? Um, no.
0: And, and as they should, I mean, it's COVID is one of those things. It's really interesting. I don't know if you have guys ever watched the movie office space. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You yes. know, but I, I watched that so much and maybe quit one of my first jobs. Um, but i watch it all the time. And one of the things that always stuck with me was when, um, I forget the main character's name, the main white guy, and he's talking to his neighbor, you know, about like, you know, the guidance counselor in high school will just be like, you know, well, what do you want to do for a living? like, what do you, what do you, what's your like ho- passion or your hobby? And you're like, yeah. Oh, I like to make old, you know, fix old cars. Like, well, you can become an auto mechanic, you know, Bob blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, it's bullshit because nobody's going to say that you want to go pick up track. So, nobody will ever be a trash man, you know? So, I mean, it's like this whole idea of, you know, doing what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, that's not exactly true, you know? And COVID has given the chance that if you got paid money, literally the government's just giving you money every week and you can do anything you want to do. What is it that you do? And unfortunately, most of what humanity did was fucking binge Netflix, you know, and just do nothing. And we're so conditioned to not take a chance like this that I felt very very fortunate that we both recognized that this was a chance to really kind of get a leg up almost, you know, yeah. and take this opportunity and make the most of it. And um, I really feel like we, we did that. Um, but it's true. I mean, given the option, most people, they just won't do anything, but I'm glad that now people are seeing like, Hey, maybe I don't want to wait tables anymore. Maybe, you know, I'm gonna go back to school. I'm going to do this. You know I mean? It's yeah. really something that, we as a society have lost, you know, that need to put out in some kind of ratio as to what we consume we consume yeah. at such a rate now where, you know, TV shows don't even come out weekly. They come out 10 episodes at a time, and you're killing that in like a day. <laughs> yeah. It's madness. And you get you mad, and I'm get mad sh- at the ones that do come out weekly. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> dude. You know, I mean, and it's kind of crazy, and I'm, I'm, I'm super people. guilty of it. Yeah. No, oh, I am too, man. I mean, it's I'm wrong. totally, I'm like, what do you mean? You know, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait months for the, all the episodes to be out so I can just like, you know, get that shit in me like a junkie, yeah. you know? um but i miss how it used to be where things used to like take a while and you know you next episode x files would come out and be like oh shit i'm gonna get on the internet i'm gonna talk about that in the chat room on aol chat you know or something like that and you got all the theories and i love that fan interaction of coming around it's almost like coming around a campfire after a story and you know talking about it getting perspectives and coming up with theories that may or may not even be true but it's those theories that are some of the coolest things and that's Honestly, what I miss the most about comic books, about working in a comic book store, I worked there for like twelve years, was that week to week kind of thing. Where people would come and it's like, oh, did you read that? It's like, oh man, yeah, this is gonna happen next, and that whole like discourse, which you know happens on online, but it's so it's a lot. It's very toxic online. In person, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just very
1: different. <clears throat> I actually I do um, that all the time when I go when I go into my comic shop to get my stuff. I'll just hang out and and chat yeah. with uh, people who work there or other people who are
0: in the store shopping and yeah, it's exactly. Cause I mean, why else you go in there to get your comics? Cause now you can get comics anywhere, Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. In fact, it's easier to get comics anywhere, but a comic book store. It's yep. the most fucked up thing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know, but like that was, that was definitely it. My, my favorite part was that community aspect, <clears throat> you know, and um, it's just kind of sad. Cause like I said, comics are written now in, in bulk to read in six issues instead of month to month. Yeah, you know, there's very few books that are like, "Oh, cool, did you read this this month or this month this, you know, but I also found that a lot of people, they don't read their comics. They buy them, 6 months later, they might read a couple, but you know, it's few and far between people that are like really hyped into it you know and really you know Mm -hmm. so into it that it's really something that they're passionate about as opposed to something that's just nostalgic and that they've done for years you know like i've read spider-man for 10 years i'm gonna keep reading spider-man like well do you like it well not really but i read it still and you know i mean it's just a weird thing having grown up in like i literally grew up in my comic book store i learned how to read on black and white turtles comics as a child like comics have been my absolute everything my whole life and I don't even barely read new comics. Like I got some new comics yesterday. I was reading them. I was like, these suck. We'll go back to Dragon Ball. (laughs) Like these fucking blow, you know, like they're just, and, and I hate to say it, but 90 fucking percent of shit that's out is just hot garbage. And I, I try not to hate. And I wonder if it's just me, if my tastes have changed and that could very well be, but I also feel like comics are now catering to a fan base that doesn't care about you know not the history like oh this character became this character this this thing but the the true history of comics of the medium you know of like what it can do and the power of it and going back to like what you can only do in comics right you know and and even who creates them beyond the five people that Marvel pushes or DC pushes a guy who's doing Batman I mean I was really fucking you know most people don't even know who draws their comics they don't really care I, actually
3: you know it's it that you know? I mean I can't get too into but I've had some conversations with a, a good friend of mine. And we go back and forth and it's one of those where like, I'm all about my big thing is like, I want a comic that's good. It has to be well-written. It has to be well-illustrated. I want it to hit all those points for me to be interested in it. Yep. And um, you know, my buddy will fire back at me about like, now nah, there's so much more that goes into it. Like that, that's just one aspect of working hard, you know, like you want people that also are like really aggressive on social media and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, so you basically want people that are just popular online creating your books, like because it's sellable. Like, wouldn't you rather have something that's good, like a good product, rather yeah. than something that's just like exactly, uh, yeah? And I mean, I mean and else? I get it, but it, it, yeah. It's, I mean,
0: what, what else is there than being a good comic? I don't
3: understand. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: I, well, and my whole thing and well was drawn. Like, like that's like that's like that's, that's yeah. all you need to do. I'm confused. I, and I think <laughs> it was just more
3: from like. People are so locked into like, okay, like a movie, right? Nobody watches a movie and goes, oh, wow, it was a really good movie. It was a success. They go, how much money did it make opening weekend? Ah, it was a success. You yeah. don't judge a movie based off of like, it's the substance that's in between the opening credits and the ending credits. They judge the film based off of how much money it makes. And I think you kind of get the same thing with in the comics these days, which is where we're at. It's we're so consumer based. Everything's based off the the meritocracy of it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You know, you you're, you really hit it on the head like I mean we're I, I mean I'm mid 30s. We're I think we're all about the same age or so, roughly around there. Yeah. And you know, we remember a time before the internet in a time before, you know, pop culture was just so on lock in the machine of yeah. monetiza- monetization. We remember yeah, when and, Comic-Cons
1: and weren't cool, when it wasn't That's what cool I'm
0: saying, dude. Comic-Con. Right. Yeah. I got beat up for wearing comic book shirts at school when I was I a kid
3: not you know, wear comic book stuff to school because I didn't want to fight people about it. I was it, six or just foot eight four eight foot when older. I was
1: 12, so I wore comic book shirts. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> Who's but the grown I mean, man in the lunchroom with the Spider-Man? Yeah,
0: right. What a dork. <laughs> oh yeah. And now it's those same motherfuckers that beat me up that are like, yeah, Captain America's cool. I like that movie. You know, and you're like, OK, you know, like, a, it's not a movie, but cool, dude. I'm glad you came around, you know, because really the thing is the characters more than anything are popular and that just speaks to the testament of their power because, you know, 60 years ago, these fucking, you know, uncool motherfuckers, other than like maybe Jim Steranko, all right, created these comics, you know, these characters and these people were, were nerds to the utmost, you know, whatever. And they were mostly doing it just for a job, but they created these, these archetypes and these, these honestly, like, modern day kind of gods that are so powerful and so relatable that 60 years later, they might be more relatable now than they were then. And they'll be around after our children's children's children die. You know, I mean, how many generations of kids have grown up with Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four or Batman? You know, I mean, it's been like 70 years, almost 80 years of Batman. Mm
3: -hmm. It's a modern religion, man
0: exactly yep. you know and so it just speaks that so like i love the idea that there's all this you know belief in it almost like they've become more powerful but at the detriment of the actual source material you know comics are really you know made now just to perpetuate copyright and they you know marvel and dc they're like oh suicide squad's coming out we're gonna have 18 suicide squad comics you're like okay you know they're like well we print the old one too you're like all right fair you know cool but nobody's gonna read that because i look at it and be like yo this is old yeah you know and it's and it's this weird thing of you know growing up in a world where you watch these movies and you see all this stuff and it comes like to life you know in a way um and i feel like the imagination of people has really suffered you know i mean that was the thing about comics is you know, growing up, it was very solitary thing. You didn't really find many people that liked them and you read them and you, you made these stories in your head, Mm -hmm. you made them come alive. Mm -hmm. And now they just spoon feed shit to you. And you just, you know, imagine fucking Chris Hemsworth voice when you're reading Thor or something, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I I'm sounding like a comic book aged hipster and I'm just going to stop now (laughs) because I'm just, I don't want this to be like a hater podcast, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's make it positive. Let's yeah, make, yeah, dude. I'm sorry. So, I, I, I apologize. No, no.
3: I mean, Brian and I rage about this type yep. of shit all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Like, yeah. This is how you know you're you're. I think a bit of a like a snob, like a culture snob, is when the thing you're really into becomes so popular that you see it sold Walmart, yeah. Target, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's when you're like, fuck. Like, yeah. You know, I used to be a Captain America guy. Like, I loved Captain America as a kid. That was my favorite. And the fact that it kills me when I see people like wearing costumes of it now. Cause like back in my day, man, like you had to make the costume. Like you had to right. <laughs> couldn't just go down to the store, but
0: um I know, but you, right? you did,
3: you did talk about something. You guys you were talking about community and like, I feel like Chickaloonies is a product kind of of community. Cause like, I, I know that like, you know, Dimmy, you come from a, a long line of storytellers from sound from your grandmother to your mother. And now you, and uh you know, like, You're from the Chickaloon village. It's called Chickaloonies. Uh, I mean, you guys then, like, purposely to market the book to sell the book, came up to Alaska and did like a tour. And you got I I got to when we were in Homer, I got to actually see the presentation you guys were like giving, and it was awesome. It was so interactive. You actually like got us speaking like (laughs) the language and all that kind of stuff. Really cool. Yeah, and the fact that like that's in the book like you don't see comics doing that you guys were building yeah. a sense of community based off of the community that you came from
5: you know what i mean
3: yeah, yeah no, it's, it's
5: it wasn't like planned that way which is the weird no. part i mean kind of talking about what you guys are saying with your you know, if, you, if you're if you not getting what you want, say, out of comic books, and then you kind of step up and you, like, really put your heart and soul into something that it's like, this is something that I would like or I would, like, you know, like to give back or try to do something new. I mean, I think our hearts are in the right place. And it was interesting how a lot of things didn't really even come into focus or make sense or line up until after we did it. And then retroactively looking back, we're like, wait a minute. Like, oh uh, yeah, we meant to do that. Yeah, My we totally mom, meant to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my grandma, you know, uh, raised us listening to, uh, you know, telling us the the traditional stories that her grandparents passed down. And when I, when I, you know, graduated high school, I went back to work for Chickaloon and I illustrated some of those stories and turned them into little comic books, like, you know, manga, manga style comics. And, uh, you know, that, that got me quite a bit of, you know, attention and success. And my mom hadn't, you know, my mom's passed away. But you know when when those books came out, she really helped like promote my work, and she kind of stepped up after my grandma passed away and began telling the stories. But she took the art from the books that I'd illustrated and would go to gatherings and classrooms and to share our stories with, you know, with just, you know, kids and people, but she put the art up on a projector on a PowerPoint presentation and kind of advanced the the tradition of our storytelling from just a an oral storytelling to now it was like audio and visual with this, with the, mm-hmm. the images projected up and it created this new kind of, you know, it was a new thing for our family, for our stories to be seen in that way. And, you know, like I said, mom's since passed away and, Um, you know, we, we, we worked hard on this book and we were kind of like, you know, getting ready to print it and getting ready to head up to Alaska. And I was like, you know, what would be cool is if we kind of actually tried to figure out a way to tell a story from, from this book. And, uh, it, it just sort of happened very quickly and we, uh, put together a live storytelling, uh, kind of little experiment thing that we made uh from a story which is in the chick book it's like it's like a creation myth from chick world so it's all original and uh created some animated slides created a costume put the costume on casey made him memorize his lines and we kind of created this interactive i like to call it like like live comic books sort of Oh, it,
3: dude, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I know it was like a, like a Thursday night in, or Wednesday night in Homer, which, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, but like yeah. the people that showed up really got into it. You know what I mean? Like they're everybody, like everybody stuck around afterwards, ask you guys a ton of questions and buy books. Like it, it, it was a huge success. And I mean, I, I was, I'd never seen anything like that before. And it, the whole time I was like, God, why, don't, why isn't there more of this kind of stuff, especially with like you were saying, Marvel and DC right now are like making these pushes, uh, which I view almost as like more marketing gimmicks of like, "Yeah, hey, look, we're trying but- to do indigenous
5: stories or hey we're trying yeah, to do whatever, stories for yeah. the LGBTQ and you're like no you're no you're not you no you're not trying not. to do it through the lens <laughs> of like western comics and i mean you guys like yeah. you said yeah. like, those characters and those archetypes have been like chiseled into the the stone of history like superman and batman i mean those are the pantheon of our modern gods so it's like if you just take a character and kind of like tr- turn him into a native character or a new native superhero it's still kind of like in the shadow of those of those greats yeah so yeah. you know a a big part of Chickaloonie is what we wanted to try to do is like, let's try to tell uh, a comic, like a native comics, like a native story in the comic book form, but, you know, really kind of try to tell it in a way that, you know, is like an indigenous way of telling stories. And I, I think, you know, it's moving in that direction for us. We haven't exactly like accomplished exactly what is in our minds yet, but I think, you know, like sort of, does does that make sense, Casey? Can you kind of like no, yeah, it's I'm trying to explain. It basically,
0: you know, there, there's a lot of talk about representation these days, yep, you know, yeah. and um, first off, I'm not native. I'm, I'm just a white dude, you know, but it's definitely something that is there's a right way to do it. And there's a way that is kind of like you're saying, just kind of marketing. You know, I was reading right. a comic yesterday and it was like the Marvel indigenous voices. And it's a bunch of native writers and artists doing native stories. And on paper, that sounds good. And I don't want to take anything away from that. You know, because sure. I'm sure those characters and those people were happy to get that, yeah. you know, that work and that focus and, you know, and that's great. But as Demi said, it's just doing it through the lens of American comics, which to me is just yeah. pandering, you know, and I, that's so, how it always feels. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what feels... it feels like to me. That's just my yeah. opinion, you know, and what we wanted to do was really making something that was truthful and honest to where Dimi comes from. You know, something that really his mom and his grandma would be proud of, you know, something that if you're a kid in Alaska, you can look at these kids and actually be like, oh, man, you know, that's that's like me. I mean, we play video games. We go to the comic book store. I mean, just because I'm I'm native doesn't mean, you know, like I live in the Stone
4: Age, you know,
0: or that I that I have to wear, you know, this certain regalia and stuff. But that doesn't mean you can't have like cool necklaces. Yeah. Or whatever, a fringe on your clothes or anything like that or whatever it is that you want to, you know, celebrate your culture. But we wanted to make something that took the values and themes and ideas of the traditional, you know, Athabascan culture and the Yane Da'a stories and just present them in a new way for a new generation so that they might understand where you come from at a younger age. Because most yeah. kids, you know, you don't care where you come from until you're older. Right. And then a lot of times it's too late because your relatives are dead and they, yeah. you can't really ask them anything. So our hope was that maybe by reading this, you might, you know, the readers might become interested in whatever culture that they're from. Because every culture has stories where every single culture where humans are just based on stories. You know, I feel,
3: I feel like that that is like. When you start boiling it down, that is the human condition, right? It is. It's just storytelling. It's just storytelling.
0: We we are all storytellers. You know, it's just a matter of some people know it and not, you know, I mean, our stories is kind of like I always see it as like Donnie Darko where that worm is in front of you and behind you and around you. And that's your story. You know, it's existing in all directions at all times and all these myriad different choices that create all these different universes that you could or could not have gone, that you may take one day, that a different you may take. I mean, your children may take. You never really know, you know, but our stories are what build us. We are just living stories and everything has a story. And that's what I really like about the, the Native American culture and, and Alaskan Native, Native cultures that they give a story to so much. You know, sure. Um, yeah. And it's really cool as to how because the stories just kind of make sense of the world around you and how to survive in that world, you know. Yeah. And we really found out that uh, a lot of the the structure of the Alaskan stories are very non-Western and it's not A to B to C, but they right. and they they're more, you know, uh, um, suggestive. It's more, you know, like a moral or like an idea or it's kind of a, um, you know, you take a bit, you put a bit of yourself into it and take something out of it, which really translates itself well to comic books. And nobody was doing anything remotely like this. And so as Denny was saying, we really want to try to keep that kind of nonlinear story and figure out how to way to kind of marry it with the American style of telling comics. Cause you got to at least have a structure to keep people hooked.
4: Right.
3: You know, I mean, if you want to have a lot of readers, the majority of your readers are going to be, I guess, Western based, right? Yeah, so yeah. it has, you have to like, I present a format so that I guess it's uh, digestible for those viewers.
1: Um, exactly. But
3: and I, I think you guys, I mean, like I've been telling the few, the few people I've had a chance to talk about this book forever. I, I know, yeah. but it, it's really like you hear about, like you see this movement, right. For indigenous comics. And when I saw this, I was like, Oh, this is, this is the forefront. This is, this is, Mm -hmm. this is how you do an indigenous comic. Like this is it, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not posturing. It's not a marketing grab. It's like, it comes from the source, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's like I said, it's, I've never seen anything like it. It's fantastic. Especially with like the language elements and stuff like that. Um,
0: yeah, like that I mean the 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 themes that you know we worked on um re, you know being language collaboration culturally you know yeah. between between native and non-native Can um, we get into you
3: know, that yeah. about your roles like um Yeah. Cuz that that cuz I think like when you look at this book the quality of it it looks like you guys had an entire team of like graphic designers letterers uh, you know all kinds of stuff editors but it was just you two. So could you kind of break down your process? Cause this is like, not only is it the content amazing, but like the execution is like superb. You know, I mean it, the art's good. The storytelling's fantastic. Like, uh, yeah, kind of break down your guys'
0: roles if you, if you can. Thank you. Yeah. Demi, you want to, you want to take some of this? Yeah. uh,
5: You know, kind of starting out for 80% studios, we (laughs) approached it um, a lot more kind of, I'm going to do the, art casey will do the story okay but you know like casey said he's been working in the the industry now for a few years and really kind of like leveled up uh, a lot sort of on the 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 coloring end of stuff i mean casey's an artist in and of his own right in terms of like you know storytelling and the science and the hidden art of comic books which is one of the you know the, the the things i'm like most fortunate enough to have teamed up with with casey because that art, you know, is, is like, you know, when people say like, Oh, I can't do art. I can't draw, you know, I couldn't draw a stick figure. Uh, that's kind of how I feel for when it comes to designing comic books and the narrative on the, you know, sequential page. So I was very lucky to, to, to meet up with uh, with Casey and team up with them on this. But for this book um, we both really kind of like approached it. Like we were both stepping in as writers, as artists, mm-hmm. as storytellers, uh, you know, equally. And I think it really shows in the final product that this is kind of a um, a new way of collaborating for us that, you know, it just, it just worked out really well. Like yeah, the, the process was, you know, um, you know, organic. I mean, we kind of look at it, like, you know, we always say like, we look at making the, the books, like we're like, we're making a song or like remixing something, you know, we always talk in terms of music and beats and remixes and, you know, it, uh, it, it was just, uh, Yeah. I don't know. It was like a lot of experimenting too. I mean, kind of, we wanted to to create something that was more like a manga, I would say, you know, we're both really inspired by, by, by manga and, you know, Dragon Ball and one piece is a big influence right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kids love that, that kind of book. I mean, most kids nowadays are that's that's the stuff they're reading That's the stuff they're familiar with. And uh, you know, it was like, there's this kind of weird, mixture we could mix alaska native culture and and manga together and then what would that yield what would that look like and then all these themes of language and communication kept popping up and uh we had to like constantly remind ourselves like let's write this for kids let's write this for kids who are you know
4: mm-hmm. yeah
5: seven eight nine years old yeah. and it's kind of hard putting your mind in that even though it's like you know these books like dragon ball for instance they have these gags and these jokes that just seem so juvenile and so like ridiculous and pointless. And it's, it's like when you try to put your brain in there and do that and think like a kid, I mean, it can be a real challenge sometimes, but I think it's been a fun experiment to, to kind of try to, to get back into that mindset Mm -hmm. of a kid and and the humor, like make like making comic book humor. That's like, you know, something that we never, I think really took seriously and tried to do either. But,
1: you know, I think, uh, one of my one of my favorite parts, because you know you've talked about blending non traditional with traditional, and then how language is such a big part of your of your book. But I mean, you you can really see it in the beginning, um, and that those are two of my favorite pages that you have done are like the language page where it uh, um, <coughs> you know it's kind of diving out the different language. You're breaking that fourth wall with the with the bird character um i i loved that and then also with um uh the emojis explaining what what the different emojis were i thought those were uh so far my two favorite uh my two favorite pages that that are in your that are in your uh story
0: yeah we uh we wanted to have these kind of like chapter breaks you know how in manga they do they do the cool chapter breaks which we both love and we thought you know The goal was to give you everything that you needed to read the comic in the comic as you read it. Mm -hmm. So you read the comic and you read those first 12 pages or so that lead up to the double page spread where it's got the title. And you've got these weird symbols and this one character speaking in pictures and you're confused. You're like, I don't don't understand this. Then you turn that page and you're like, oh, he speaks in emojis. Okay, well, I get that. And then the next one, you're like, oh, this is Atna. That's what those squiggly things are. Oh, okay that's cool you know and as you go along we're teaching you how to read the comic um because When you have something that's a little more advanced than your talking head screenplay comic, some people just don't understand how to do that, and we didn't want anybody to be left out, and so we really wanted to make it a very all-encompassing thing, and have this whole kind of package that not only had the comic, but had, like, these, you know, chapter break things, and we're working on some, some back matter, actually, to include in, like, kind of a deluxe edition that'll have some other stuff, but we like this idea of kind of like a design, Paul Pope called his comics Design Containers. Which I loved. That's
4: great. Cr- he would yeah, have, great. you
0: know, he he would have like articles and interviews with artists that he liked and random shit and pinups and whatever. And it was a whole thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he really took the idea of this physical package um, to a to a real, you know, important part of the reading process. You know, it, it's kind of like akin to watching a movie in a movie theater as opposed to watching a movie at home. You know, yeah. there's, there's a part of the experience that, as modern consumers, we tend to neglect, you know, I love packaging. I have a lot of physical yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the feel of paper, <clears throat> how a comic is produced. You know, I mean, you get like European comics and you're like, fuck, dude, look at this paper. You know, this is from whatever where that some dude mined and like cut down and they've been hoarding this thing like fine wine. And they print it on here with this ink from like a gopher or something. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. amazing. Something like that. And then America, we're just like, eh, what's cheap? All right. Print it on that. You know, who yeah. cares? And, and that's, you know, you know, and that's fine. And like, I think comics are a disposable art. Like I, I always call comics trash art and I love that, you know, like we're fucking, we're like, just like minimum wage kids sitting in the fucking gutter making trash comics, you know? And, and that's really like gutter town, baby. Dude, that's what I'm saying, man. (laughs) That's like the aesthetic, you know? And when you start, you know, trying to do shit and like actively trying to put in these things or actively trying to, convey some heavy handed message you lose people like like dimmy was saying all these themes and these things came about organically and after the fact or after we did it we were like oh yeah yeah we meant to do that you know we were just having fun we just wanted to make something for kids you know that was just goofy and whatever and um you know so much of of my creating anything is just getting back to when i was a kid and how i felt about finding a comic book or finding something. I mean, comic books saved my life. And I want to give back to that kind of tapestry, you know, to yeah. some other, you know, 10-year-old uncool kid who doesn't have any friends who, you know, needs a world to escape to. And, um, you know, it's its definitely something that um, I feel Dimmy and I really have like a, you know, a common passion and wanting to create something mm-hmm. that is like that. And, um, you know, our meeting each other has been probably the best thing in my life and you know it's really kept me going and kept me alive and kept me getting up in the morning is having somebody who has become my brother to be able to not only tell stories with but just kind of be able to interpret life with and then communicate to other people through our medium of magic which is comic books yeah you know And uh, uh, I feel very fortunate. And now that we're able to tap into his heritage, you know, of like a third generation storyteller, it's just been like compounded. You know, it's even more powerful. And there's been more than one time that, you know, I've felt his grandma and his and his mom, you know, I've never met his grandma. I only met his mom, you know, quasi briefly, but I have felt that they've been here, you know, and I really feel like um you know, what we're doing is is right and true for, for both of us, and it's what we've been, you know, meant to do. It just took us a while to kind of come full circle, I guess, back to where Jimmy began, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: We love going so, full circle on this show. That's right. Dude, full, full I, circle is, is definitely a, a big thing. You know? I feel
3: like this episode should be called like something like Ink Family
0: Magic or something like that.
3: <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the the, the the hard knocks of gutter town That's right yeah.
0: Seriously No, when, when we were up in Alaska And the tour The tour was really magical um, yeah. You know, I, I gotta say Like, the, it was the first time We'd ever gone tour and And we've always joked Like, we're not cool enough To be in a band but we've always wanted to go on tour and Demi, Dimmy used to have this fucking garbage van called Boba, which is where the name of the snowmobile character came from. And uh, he drove it down from Alaska to Seattle. And this thing was vicious. I mean, it was, it was dirty. It was nasty, but we always wanted to boot around the country going from comic book store to comic book store, you know, and like live on the road and make comics on the road and go on tour like you would a band. And so we've been trying to do this forever. And so now it finally, you know, we were able to do it and get in, this kind of window between when covid was hitting and do this and the shit that could that like coalesced the universe came together i mean that was some magical shit you know for so many years of my life i've tried to get to that point where you hear creators talking about it doesn't matter what you create where life is imitating art and art is imitating life and you don't know where those lines end and begin Mm -hmm. and that happened to us you know it's like we realized that we were influencing what was happening in the comic as you know it was happening to us and we didn't really know where you know where the things began and ended and the universe just kept giving us these different like you know, pieces of the puzzle and unlocking how we're approaching the next book. And I just hope that we can do it again so that, you know, connecting with more people and actually like seeing the looks on kids faces. And, you know, we did the live story for everybody from pre-K up to high school. And it was just I mean, it was magical. You know, I mean, it was really some powerful stuff and I'd never been to Alaska before and that's some mythical shit, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, even like a city like Anchorage or something. I mean, it only takes 10 minutes to like go and and feel like you're you're really in another place. And when we turned down an alley and I saw fucking ravens the size of raccoons, (laughs) I was like, oh, shit, stop. I need to take a picture. And the, the ravens, they were like, we're not moving. You gotta back yeah. up. And yeah. I was like, oh they're like back oh. up, motherfucker. <laughs> no, dude, they, they were so okay, big. Yeah. I was like, dude, are those cats with wings? Like, we need to not be down this alleyway. Um, and you know, I, I and I I mean I don't want to put words in Dimmy's mouth, but I think it was cool for him too to kind of come back in with another perspective. You know, I, I don't know if that's true, you know, Dimmy, but uh yeah,
5: I mean it's been a while since I've been up there, and it was one of those things where I think. You know, when Casey and I started making comics 10 years ago, you know, we quickly realized that, you know, I mean, as with many different art forms or walks of life, like there's two ways you can go about it. You know, when we we're making comics, we were like, are we making comics so we can work on a Spider-Man book, you know, or get a job, like get a backup or something in DC or Marvel? Is that our goal? Or do we want to say, whatever, let's just tell our own stories. Let's get good at making comics. Let's do it whether we make money or not. And who knows, maybe if we, you know, stick to it and, you know, work hard enough that maybe it will kind of come full circle and we might actually turn a profit. So that was that was what we chose to do was kind of work and tell our own books. And over the years, we've done, you know, Gutter Town, which is kind of our Seattle Blade Runner cyberpunk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gritty, you guys, kind of you,
3: you guys hooked me up with a bunch of that stuff. It's fucking awesome. Thank nice. You. I My oh, wife I and I were like, I need that. We,
5: <laughs> My we wife and very I were proud of that, yeah.
3: And we were just going like, "Fuck, I wish there was more of this kind of shit." Like, I mean, like that kind of stuff doesn't like it's few and far between, you know. But well, man, it's, it's it's like so it's cyberpunk.
5: It's yeah. cyberpunk, and like we both kind of realized over, you know, we worked on that book for a long time, and we both are obsessed with Blade Runner and Akira and cyberpunk and all its yeah. different forms and everything. We wanted to do, you know, our own cyberpunk. That was kind of like when we first met. We're like, "Hey, what are our common interests?" What do we want to tell a story about? And you know, we landed on 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 Guttertown, and we landed on like you know, real true cyberpunk. I write what some we want to cyberpunk what we... so bad. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of those things too. Over the years of working on you know stuff together, working on projects here, so we've seen cyberpunk kind of like come to the forefront in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways, and almost become a little mainstream. And it was one of those mm-hmm. things where you were talking about you see something that you're so passionate about and you are so protective of, and then it kind of goes mainstream, and you're like. Yeah. Man, it's in fashion and like, you know, magazines and video games. I'm like, oh, man. Shit, we just. Reeves.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah right well, um, what was uh? What was that Robert Valley it was kind of like an indigenous futurism cyber oh the ice thing. one I, yeah ICE, dude yeah. I mean it was awesome it's great but at the same time you're like oh shit how many people are gonna rip this fucking thing off you know what I mean
0: well and rightfully so he dropped that shit yeah. every time Robert Valley does anything it's just like mic drop and we're all like we're sorry we didn't mean <laughs> yeah. to create anything we'll go in the corner now and study for another 10 years and we'll <laughs> right. come back when we're worthy my bad I'm sorry and then <laughs> he drop something else
1: and then it's yeah, yeah. The exactly on, and then you're like nah, free David,
3: on YouTube youtube and you're like
5: god know, damn it right? i man. know i know like yeah so, um, so it's, it's yeah, interesting but, oh go ahead oh yeah no i was just the point i was trying to make was that you know over the years doing this different stuff and like you know working a bart as a bartender working as you know like you know waiting tables or doing lawn work or whatever i was working on to to kind of like make ends meet so i could pursue my passion of 80 studios comics um it was one of those things where always in the background you're like you know hey if i'm i'm not getting any younger do i need to start taking you know My life serious and what I want to do. I was like, I kind of had two options. I was very lucky that growing up, my mom was such a huge support. My mom was like my biggest fan. She was my promoter. She was my agent. You know, she, you know, put my art and put put it in front of everybody, opened up so many doors for me in Alaska, you know, in every way she could. And it was, you know, like it was like after she passed away, I was like, I was like, man, like now I gotta do all this stuff on my own. You know, she, <laughs> she always just kind of did it for me. And I never, and I kind of took it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, just mom being mom. Uh, but it was one of those things where I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, I mean, I can't make cyberpunk comics all day and have it not make any money or whatever. Uh, or, you know, I can, but I gotta think of something. So it was one of two options. I was gonna like try to do tattoos, you know, because it was like, remember you, <laughs> you make money. It's like I should do that, or <laughs> that. you know, look back to Alaska and say, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there that was, you know, that were help put into place by my mom, you know, supporting me so much and like putting me out there so much. I was like, there's something up there if I can tap into it. I know that, but I don't want to do it just like as a backup man. I want to go to Alaska and be like, oh hey, I'm back. I you know, I just got back from Seattle for 15 years. You know, making, you know, trying to make comics and this and that. I'm I'm ready to like, you know. Get art jobs now or something. I want to do it something authentic, something that was eighty percent studios at its heart, but was also you know for Alaska and something that could be you know, you know that's that's good. That's like representative and it and it could give back somehow. And this is something I'm really confident that we came up with uh, that I'm proud of and that I was excited to bring back up to Alaska. And I'm excited to show it to my family and to my cousins, and you know, like Casey was saying, going around to the different. You know, we got to go to the to the Native Head Start program and share our story with just you know classrooms full of these pre kindergarten. <laughs> You know, just little yeah. kids They had no idea yeah. who we were, why we were there. It was their first day of, of actually being in school. Like it was like kind of like step up from daycare. And so we're in the classroom and Casey's got the costume. We've got the TV with the cartoon pictures. And I mean, it was like just, you know, magical. And, yeah. I, you know, going back to Alaska and, and get to do that and like having Casey come up for the first time, see where I'm from and be like, you know, there's this, like you said, this majestic place that you know we can really pull a lot of inspiration from and you know work into our into our stories
3: well it's i i I like to say this quote all the time but it's you you never really die if you contribute and you guys have kind of immortalized yourselves in you know
1: and your culture in alaska yeah
3: and your culture in this book you know what i mean like and I know you said, you, you, I, I know that you guys are working on another book uh, and you, you kind of mentioned it here. And we don't have to get into it if you guys don't want to, because I know it's all that kind of stuff. It's a little top secret, but uh, I mean, I only see it going up. Like this yeah. is kind of like the starting line. You know what I mean? You, that first book is always the hardest one to do. And you guys knocked it out of the park. And now it's just, now you're just built your world building off of it. I mean, like really it's, yeah. you guys are, I mean, you guys are in such a good position and it's not a position where you're like, it's coming from like, Oh, we want to get rich or, Oh, we want a Netflix deal. It's no, you want to contribute to like the greater ether of like
0: the human condition that is storytelling. You know, it's not exactly. I mean, you know, we are trying to sell out if anybody's well, yeah, want to give us I, mean, I say money, you would take a Netflix deal though. Um, know, oh, right. Hey, scholastic, scholastic, you know, how are you yeah. not in scholastic? I mean, I've, um, yeah. but, but no, I mean, genuinely, uh you know the the my soul feels good like I quit making comics for other people because you know it didn't make my soul feel good and the older that I get the more that I realize that money doesn't matter and it's just time and you know if I have a limited amount of time I want to tell Demi and I stories you know not so much just make comic books and I think that you Know if you look at all the success stories of the world, I mean, there are a million that didn't succeed, even ones that did, you know, they take a long time. Like that guy that made the Queen's Gambit thing, he shipped that around for like 10 years, and yeah. everybody was like, Screw you, who's gonna watch a chess show? And then, and then an all Emmy. of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, and then he won an Emmy, and they're just like, Well, how many zeros do you want? and he's like, Well, I'll take six, and they're like, Cool, here's six zeros, and he's like, All right, yeah. look, you know, go over here now, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't happen, but even if it doesn't you know, we're just so excited to tell this story. And like today we were working on the second book and doing character designs for the for the bad guys, you know? And it was awesome. Like we were sitting in our studio and Demi's drawing on the whiteboard and we're looking through Pinterest and coming up with ideas like, oh, this guy's going to have three arms. And like, oh, oh no, we want to do like a gnome and then this one and whatever. And it was just like, it, it felt right. Like it just felt, you know, genuine. And I feel like, People, when they read the book, they can feel that energy. You know, we yeah, try to right. imbue all that energy of just love, like real pure love of the medium, of the culture, you know, of storytelling, everything, and just imbue it into this, this sigil, this spell, this this magic tone thing of comic books that that is our our medium. And yeah. um, you know, it really uh is just, I think if we stay with that. And stay focused on it. People will respond. And for us, being rich is just making a living. If We could just pay rent yeah, off right? this shit. I mean, dude, that's that's all I really want. You sure. know, I,
3: I I spent my, you know, we you're talking about like you're at that crossroads when you're younger of like, oh, do I want to work in the industry? What what do I want to work towards? I think I spent like most of my late twenties trying to like prove that I was a professional to my peers in the industry and make money and
0: work for the biggest
3: company I could possibly get, you know, do a cover for or something. Yeah. And honestly, I was fucking miserable doing it the entire time. I hated it. I hated the way I had to let people talk to me and treat me and stuff. I mean, you know, you talk to even there'll be other pros who they'll just because they can, will treat you like shit.
4: And you, because
3: you're, you're hoping that maybe they'll like recommend you to an editor or something you have to fucking take it on the chin and go, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, if they was like on the street, you'd slap the piss out of them because you'd never let someone talk to you like that. Exactly. um, But yeah, and so I was always on the fence of like, do I want to stay in this industry trying to do this or do I want to like go and get a real job? That sort of thing, like, you know, with benefits and all that kind of shit. Yeah. You know, that's
0: that's, that's the age old question, that nine to five shit, you know? And I would, I I would,
3: beat myself up over it thinking about it and now i finally hit that point where it's like no 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 as long as i can make enough to make ends meet it's all about what can i create let's just create the best possible stuff i don't i I don't even worry about that stuff as much i mean you do worry about it but not like it doesn't keep me up at night like it used to where i was like oh fuck am i doing am i making a bad like uh, you know my youth is fleeting this is this a terrible direction? Am I going down the wrong road? Am I going to end,
4: <laughs>
3: Am I gonna end up like Mr. Yelly on the streets? don't you know, I mean, Fighting you know, for real. Yeah.
0: You, you yeah. might do comic books have killed more fucking people than like any other creative profession. I'm talking about like dying at the drawing table. I mean, just this past year, like three We're like different pro fucking wrestlers, artists man. died. Dude, yeah. More than pro wrestlers. OK, and at least pro wrestlers get drugs. Lots of that's them. true. You they know, can afford it, right? they, they can, you know, well, I don't know, man. Pro wrestlers probably make about as much money, but there's <laughs> drugs in that industry. This one, yeah. there are two. But, you know, I mean, like I the guy that taught me uh, coloring, I have so much respect for because mm-hmm. um, he's a mercenary. He's a hustler. I mean, this dude, yeah. you can give him a shitty script. And in like two days, he'll turn you out a comic that's really not bad. You know, that's like some good shit. And I have all the respect for that. But like, I look at every page and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to put my soul into this. And yeah. I, I don't have that knob, that volume knob mm-hmm. of being able to do it. Like, like right now, he, he you know, he called in a favor. And he's like, I need you to do something. And it's like, OK. And so I'm like doing some pages and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to I fuck this. Like this, yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like I'm looking at the script and I'm just like, you know what? hold on let me let me block half of this panel out it's gonna be word balloons okay i'm just gonna color from their mouths down oh. you know i mean because it's just gonna be word balloons um you know but again i like like somebody like you ted i got all the respect in the world for you because you you hustle it and you work mm-hmm. it but i just realized that was just not my path you know and, and again yeah. i was fortunate to be you know to have Dimmy. um because i couldn't do this on my own you know and uh and again i just really um you know, feel like that's what we're, you know, what we're doing is what we're meant to do. Um, oh, and uh, I mean, know, your
3: just, guys's book has been huge for me watching you guys just this last like six months or so that I've known, I guess it's been about six months that I've known yeah, you guys. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's been a big, like, oh man, I, I don't, I don't really like my job when I'm hustling. I want to be where you guys are at because you can see it on the page. You guys actually, you're in the moment on every page and you can tell just from a creative standpoint, like maybe an outside reader who doesn't have have any idea of like how the sausage is made, so to speak. But from like- (laughs) from like the chef's kitchen to another chef's kitchen yeah. you could see that and be like oh you yeah. see the love you see the love
0: yeah yeah exactly well, I, you I, see we, the magic really appreciate that uh, oh, thank it's, you it's true yeah, man. I think Thanks. we and we were fortunate enough to so you had said earlier that we didn't have an editor we we actually this is the first time that we've ever had an editor um my my very very good friend jason miles who um is a great artist in his own right and does his own comics and stuff. He uh, used to be the print buyer for Fantagraphics. And so oh, okay. he's like production dude, number one. So at first, like, we were like, hey, man, will you put that that the book together. Because as soon as you start talking to me about numbers and measurements, I'm, I just stop. And I don't understand how to print this and whatever, you know. Yeah. So he was nice enough to do that. But then he not only did that, he started editing the book. And it That's wasn't right. like... You know, he he really gave us some really, really valuable stuff um, that has really helped make the book what it was. And then also partnering with Melissa Shaganoff, Demi's cousin, right. who really helped provide uh, some cultural knowledge for us that we wouldn't have known. Yeah. And um, we're really hoping to partner with her uh, more so on the second book uh, from a foundational level, because the yeah. first book, you know, we just had to do it. To really right. convey our our idea of what we were trying to do, and um,
3: but you, you guys know, are going to be that- branching out into other like. Alaskan
0: like cultures as we move forward through Alaska, you know, we're starting in Chickaloon and then in the second book, we're going out to Palmer, you know, and then from there we'll be going out and going out and our goal would be able to collaborate with like a culture bearer from each different, you know, the tribes and the different regions around Alaska and really make this a full rounded Alaskan you know, story because while there are similarities in all the cultures, everybody has their own different details and specifics in how they tell stories or how they live their lives, depending on also where they were in the environment.
3: Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that Alaska is fucking huge. It's like a country. So you have like literally like what I mean, there's so many different like first people's nations in this in this, I guess. Biosphere,
0: it's insane. Yeah, it's madness, you know, and we we, and again, it's going back to that that theme of collaboration. Mm-hmm. you know, we really want to collaborate with other people. and um you know that was one of the things that we really tried to impart upon the kids when we talked to them is like the power of collaboration. Yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be able to like all the power in the world if you can do it yourself. like you know, but collaboration for me has been the best drug that I've ever you know experienced. And it's something that is so rare in this world to, you know, be able to do that oh, with somebody and yeah. you know collaborate on a creative level and connect on just a deep human level that you know most people never get to. You yeah. know? So at least yeah. really, well, really
5: lacking important. in a lot of comics, I think. Like, you know, Casey oh. always says a lot of comics are, you know, two two people making a, a book or three people making a book that you'll you know we'll never meet face to face.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
3: It's assembly line. It uh, yeah, it's like IKEA furniture.
0: Putting it together, man. (laughs) And and that's what I mean about being a cog in a creative machine. You know, the reason why those early comics, the Silver Age shit, was so good is because those motherfuckers were all in the same room. All yeah. right. You had to be in New York. You had to go to the bullpen, make those comics, And you were to make that shit in a month. And whether right. it was good or bad was completely negligible. It just had to be done. And because of those constraints, you have to think more creatively. And you got to really think out of the box. And some of the most like I said, the most amazing characters that came out, you know, still from that that era yeah. was just, you know, being around and batting stories back and forth and yeah. ideas. And, you know, you just don't know what will happen when you're in the same room, Um, you know, so, and that's not to be said that good colleagues can't be made by people that just do it by, by email or phone. You know I mean? There are some that are great,
3: you know, there are some great, great duos or great, you know, groups of people that are putting some really amazing stories together. But for the most part though, you're right though. It's very assembly line and it, it it comes off kind of cold. Yeah. Now we've reached that point in the interview where, we have to ask you something. And I think at this point it's redundant because we know what the future is for you guys. You're going to be doing yeah. volumes and volumes of chicken It's just going to expand from here on out. But Brian has something he has to hit you up with.
1: I do. I do. Well first though, I wanted to, I wanted to say earlier, um, you know, uh, Casey, when you were talking about how uh, meeting Demi was like, what you guys were meant to do and that's how i feel meeting tad this is oh, and
0: that's how i nice. feel doing this show man oh man some love a love dude, on the left wow. side here of the zoom dude, dude, i don't really i don't great.
3: know what he's talking about i'm just here <laughs> for the paycheck man we don't yeah, get you're, paycheck. Right, you're
0: like dude if you didn't pay what? me i wouldn't be here we're not getting paid you're not getting paid no <laughs>
4: oh,
1: I no but know that. you know this is uh <laughs> if this was something that I could do just full time and just do this and then the stuff that we're working on, Oh man, that would be amazing. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there, not to get all. No, that's awesome, dude. No, that, that's, that's really cool. Here, yeah.
0: But uh, you know, T- T- when we saw Tad in Alaska, he was like, "Man, I really, you know, I've been year looking for years for what you guys had," and he didn't mention you. So I just no. want to, you know, uh, put that know. out there. You know <laughs> that he left you out in the cold. Yeah, uh, Tad to yep. sell you out on that. You know, like he. Was, I take all the fact, credit. He he did say your name, and he was like, "Dude, especially fuck that guy. Yeah, that man, guy that especially. Guy. Right. I, I don't want to fuck that Yeah, sounds about right. That's what I do." That's fine.
3: I'm all about individual power. Just individual. <laughs> that's right. All the that's way. right. Yeah. <laughs> you step you it come on the
0: then. <laughs> yeah, right. would <laughs> be yeah. sleep on the couch. Yo. No, he yeah. would be you dead. dead. <laughs>
1: i will just be
3: dead. You won't see me anymore. I'll be gone.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyways, so the question is something that we ask all of our guests who come on the show. And uh the question. The question. The oh, dude, that's what I should do. do that's- do the movie. Do the movie <clears throat> voice. Do it now. Come All right.
2: On. All right. Let me think of how I'm going to say this. Um, In a world where you have complete creative freedom on any property, what would you do? <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. That's really heavy. <laughs> um,
3: so it has. To, it's established. Uh, Basically, you guys are just given free reign on any, I guess, intellectual property that's in that, that already exists. Yeah. So like we've had people go, Oh, I, I do the Munsters. Um, oh. Someone did
1: um, quantum leap uh, those quantum. Were, leap those were our one. two favorites. So we yeah. always. Whoa. Mention those.
0: Whoa. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the answer for, for, for each of us might be different, but I mean, I think maybe fine. as a, as a duo, you know, it would be the turtles to just to do a yes. turtles thing. You know, I think that maybe, like, really to bring it full circle what would be to do. There you go. You know, some some kind of turtles thing. Um, I don't know, Demi. What are you? What are you? What are you thinking? Oh man, there's so many different options. I don't know why, but I mean, similarly to that,
5: I, my 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 mind kind of went to uh, Mario brothers mm. oh. there's something like really archetypal to me about mario there's something there that's like you know hidden right below the surface that it's like it's basically like the most distilled version of something which is like very epic and like you know mm-hmm. iconic that just turned into these t- like little two-dimensional sprites <laughs> on your screen but when <laughs> i think about it and i think of like the, what, it, what it means underneath it it just makes me want to like go in and kind of create this I don't know, like really deep,
0: uh, you know, saga journey sort of thing of of Mario. I like it. Uh, yeah, Mario, Mario would be super dope. You know. Yeah. Um. I mean,
5: I have like you know portals and different dimensions and reptilians and like you yeah. know heroes. Mushroom. <laughs> See, yeah. I want
1: you to do the the official sequel to the nineties Mario brother movie. Yes. There we go. Yes.
0: No, that's what I was going to say is like, what I would love to do is tell the story of what could have happened. You know, like we both really want to do a Prometheus comic, but act like the second Prometheus didn't happen or whatever covenant, you know, I want to tell the stories of headless David and Dr. Shaw. That would be the shit. I could read like 50 issues of that, you know, or like, um, you know, movies that never got made, like things that could have been like, I love that idea. I'm not a big Neil Gaiman fan at all, but he had this great idea where he made a library of all the stories that could have existed. that got started and didn't happen or, you know, might've existed in somewhere and they were written and they were written here. And I was like, dude, that's an amazing idea. Like how cool would it be? You know, you read about all these failed movies or failed things, you know, like Peter Chung just came on Instagram and, Mm -hmm. you know, little, little to, uh, uh, known in fact, coming by bringing it back to, to Robert Valley and Love, Death, and Robots is that before Love, Death, and Robots they were going to do a heavy metal 3D adult animated anthology of which Peter Chung was going to do New Eon Flux and Eon Flux for me and Demi is just fucking huge. I mean that Dude. is ginormous. But, yeah. then, but Paramount Paramount passed and because of that they got Love, Death, and Robots. But because of that failure we are not failure, but whatever that that you know happenstance we then got. Robert Valley doing ice and blue, blue, Zima blue, you know, yeah. and that great Alberto Mielgo one. And so sometimes, I mean, like, there's the other great thing is Horowski's doom. Like, Hodorowsky's Doom was going to be this thing where, you know, you had Mobius and Dan O'Bannon and fucking, you know, uh, Hodorowsky had created his, like, dream warriors, you know, and it was something that was so amazing that couldn't happen, and it didn't happen, but because of it, we got Blade Runner, we got Alien, we got all the Hodorowsky comics in Call, you know, all these other things that trickled out that, you know, it's sometimes what doesn't happen it's sometimes what isn't that said it's sometimes the path not taken is what leads to something later that is you know so culturally powerful i mean could you imagine a world with no blade runner or no alien and instead with just this crazy dune movie i mean what 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 would we be like now right you know that's a good point so you know I, i always think about that and uh uh you know like i said a lot of times it's what you leave out you know that that really makes a difference and not what you try to put in what's kind of there, the you know, negative organically. Experience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know, I like that. I like that. Yeah.
3: We're getting a little existential on this podcast. What's your favorite I'm, thing. I'm digging it. it is. I, I love <laughs> yeah, to, dude.
0: Yeah. I love
3: to dip my toes into the tiger milk as we like to
4: say.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll refrain from regaling you with the many, you know, fucking revelations during my many acid trips that could be like a whole another thing Just
4: ask um,
5: any movie that he's watched in the first thing that comes out of his mouth was yeah i was on x amount of acid when i watched that movie yeah, right. <laughs> is that is that what
3: goes on uh i see every night you post oh we watch this movie tonight is that you yeah, know uh, I've, I've, I've had it
0: now no i've had it now be so I, in my early 20s when i came to seattle uh or well from college to about 28 that was just it. I would just trip all the time, you know, um, and and just a very short thing. One one thing about the negative space and actually where I came to this thing that, you know, you kind of leave out is I was I was tripping and I was coming down and I was writing in my journal. And yeah. I realized that if I looked at it, it wasn't what I was writing. It was the spaces in between. It was my screw ups on the letters. It was the crossing out. It was the misspelled words that created yeah. an entire language in between the 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 things that were written you know cool. and then and that was when i always re- or then that's when i realized that you know like dimmy said it's kind of the negative space you know that uh,
3: god you make me want to do drugs man you no know?
0: <laughs> yeah, i'm too old now i can't do it anymore yeah. i just make comments. Yeah, right.
3: i was i was always too much of a straight edge too much of a like I was, yeah Same i here. don't know i don't know what will happen
4: uh, <laughs> So, <coughs> I mean, if, like, are not like you, not know the answer,
5: you know. secondhand what happens as a creative person. I think that you can almost tap into that same thing. I mean, absolutely. You know, like, oh, yeah. like, like Casey was saying. Now it was like that one summer that I smoked weed. I mean, I weed scares me. I mean, just you know, uh, certain people handle it differently, and for me, it's just kind of it sends me off the edge. And sometimes I can ride the wave and like be creative, and sometimes I just spiral. But. Um, you know, like the older I get and the more excited I am about what I'm working on and doing cartooning and comic book stuff. And it's just like, I feel like I'm better practiced at sort of tapping into that part, part of my brain, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't feel like, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that is like the drug to me is like, you know, catching that creative wave and oh, you know, getting absolutely. in the zone. I mean, oh, I'm sure you guys can relate. Uh, yeah. My,
3: my favorite is I, I love being in that zone that uh, we're, time doesn't exist and uh, i mean i was in that last night actually and i didn't i didn't even finish work till like five this morning it's just because i was in the zone like and then i looked at the watch and i was like ah shit it's like 5 30 i should probably get to sleep because i gotta get up in like three hours and get be you know back at the table but i could have kept i could have kept going because it was just and, and it's i think as you get older it's harder to tap into that you have to find more vehicles for it um you know like whether it's meditation or, I I just go for like the best ideas I get. I find is what I it sounds really basic and old manish, but I just take I we live at the base of a mountain, and I wait till like the weird hours, you know, like maybe around till basically when it gets it's about to get dark, and then I'll go take the dog up the mountain, and uh, you know you see all kinds of weird stuff you know, like owls and weird noises and wildlife. And just then you see the way that like, uh, the sun is setting off on the horizon. I mean, you know how it is up here in Alaska, man. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's something about that. Uh, that's where it seems like that's the catalyst for creativity for me,
1: the beach for me. Every time I go to the beach, I I have new, new ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Does it have to be a nice warm beach or can I are you talking about our northwestern beaches? Oh, northwestern beaches all the way. All really? the way.
0: Okay.
3: The beautiful Northwest beaches. Yeah. Yo, yeah.
0: yo no, I'm, 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 from a beach community. Y'all don't have beaches out here. You have where <laughs> sand meets water. Okay. <laughs> like no. What you don't like strolling our our rocky beaches? <laughs> no, Come fuck on. that shit, man. Long dude. rocky strolls. Nah,
1: dude. Give me nah. Cannon Beach any day of the week. Oh yeah. Cannon any beach other is beach. beautiful.
5: Yeah, Cannon's pretty. Nice. Dude, uh, uh, Bell's Beach. Oh, dude, like Point Break and Point Break. Yeah. Yeah, man.
0: That. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's one of the greatest scenes. Let's just take a moment and appreciate the genius that is Point Break. Absolutely. And how levels of creative heights will never be reached again of that fucking movie. Can you <laughs> believe they did a remake of that? I was just going to say that the remake doesn't exist. OK, uh-huh. just shut your mouth, shut your dirty mouth. That didn't happen. I couldn't, okay? I couldn't believe that in Footloose. <laughs> I just I wanted to write. Whoa, whoa,
3: wait. They made a remake to
1: Footloose. <laughs> they did.
3: I, I had no how? idea actually. How do you yeah. do that?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like culturally, it just doesn't I, seem like, I, I refuse to watch either of those remakes. It's like Good for Fortnite you. dances or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably.
3: Fortnite dances. Fortnite. <laughs> Fortnite dancing. All right, guys. Well, this has been really, really awesome. Yeah. Uh I think we're pretty kind of starting to go along, aren't we? Uh, getting a little long in the tooth here, Brian.
1: I think so. I think yeah, so I don't know usually. how
0: long your guy's thing usually we, is. Yeah. We just go. We go. Uh,
3: and then, yeah, like we just go until um, everybody either starts getting too tired or it's just kind of one of those where like, dude, we've been gone for – two hours it's time to wrap this bad (laughs) boy up yeah
0: right people stopped listening a half an hour ago yeah pretty much (laughs) i don't think so
3: this has been a good this has been a good one man this has been a really good recording i mean i've i've been wanting to get you guys on the podcast for a while now
0: Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah no it's it's i really enjoy you know meeting you tad like six months ago or so and i definitely felt like a connection right off you know, oh, just yeah. as far as like how we, you know, approach things creatively, or just how you see things, and and I like that. You know, you call shit when you see it. So,
3: well, know. yeah. I now see in my like twenties, I wouldn't have. I was the guy that was like ah, having these doubts in my head and being like, this mm. looks funky, but I, I, you know, you get burned so many times, you kind of have to be like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when someone starts talking shit, you know, you, you, and you do, I, dude. There's a there's a weird like I think we try and be courteous and give everybody the benefit of the doubt most of the time, just especially as creators. Yeah. And so it, there's so many people that are so quick to, to, to take advantage of that. Yep. And um, I don't know. It took me a long time to learn that until it, you know, finally I was just uh, so fed up with it. It was like, why am I being nice? Why am I being nice to people who don't deserve it? They don't care They're you know? So yeah. I don't know, but uh, where can uh, people get their hands on chickaloonies, man?
0: Uh, so we have a website, um, which you can order copies through. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at 80% Studios, which links okay. you there. Or our website is uh, 80 and then percent dash uh, studios and percent studios. I just ordered out. a copy or, yeah, off of uh, Etsy from you. Oh, guys. I saw. Yeah. yeah. So You mm-hmm. can and also Thank on you Etsy. Um, but yeah, if you just if you find us on social media, 80% Studios, It'll take you to you know the thing. We'll
3: we'll um, have links in the write up yep. and stuff
0: too. Yep. Yeah. We will. So. Yeah. Definitely. Now let
3: me ask you this because there's been a little bit of Bigfoot talk,
4: Sasquatch talk.
0: Yep.
3: Harry man talk. Uh, is there any is there any potential Sasquatchian like uh, outside of Chickaloonies that might be uh, coming through eighty uh, percent studios? I'm just
0: curious
5: we don't Maybe? want to spoil anything with yeah because there's definitely a lot there under the surface uh yeah but yeah i mean as far as uh, the bigfoot goes um my grandma used to say that the bigfoot or the wild man um you know that he had backwards feet what uh, uh-huh. so that they wouldn't know how to track him if he was going you know which direction or going forward or back and i mean it's as all kind of like legends go you know it's probably something that got last in the translation of kind sure. of like the 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 you know the language to english and uh i was, that stuck with me as something that was like you know i think that there's some deeper meaning there something mm-hmm. a little bit more like you know crossing over the veil yeah um, you know and and like
0: i said you know interdimensional sasquatch all the way I love that. Yeah, We're, well, we're hoping to, to be able to, as we go, get deep into just, you know, different myths and lore and really keep it, you know, kind of mythical and magical. Because I think there's a awesome. way to do that for kids. You know, yeah. like I remember being a kid and just like going to the library and looking up all the books about Loch Ness Monster or oh, yeah, Sasquatch yeah. or, you know, whatever. And now there's the Internet. I mean, there's so much. And we're really going to try to lean into that. Um, both from Alaskan culture and and other cultures, and um, yeah. you know, really bring something that uh, you know might make kids you know interested in more legends and mm-hmm. you know the fabric of reality. So that kind of shit. So That's awesome.
3: So before we let you guys go, there's one last little thing we like to do, and it's just a little little reading roundtable, like recommendations. Basically, what are you guys reading right now? Doesn't it necessarily have to be comics. Comic. I mean, we are technically a comic book podcast, but so comics are good. But uh, yeah, what, what what's on the nightstand? Nice what are you guys reading?
5: Guess first. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, not yeah. D- 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 go ahead. Yeah. Legends of Nahani Valley by Hanson oh! Peters. I know what that is. I know what yeah. that is.
3: Yeah, I've seen. Uh, they do some great breakdowns of that on uh, YouTube. Uh, like they've got their own YouTube channel where yeah. they, they read a bunch of the
5: stories to you. He does like his flash animations. He's got a great channel where they talk about, you know, cool uh northern Canadian folklore and myths and uh yeah. I, I just love that kind of stuff. It's just like kind of like campfire stories. It makes Very, you feel kind of spooky, awesome. kind of interested. What's yeah. it called? Uh the Legends of Nahani Valley. Okay. I'm gonna look that yeah, it up. it's a it's an actual book that they published
3: a couple of years ago, right? And he so it's an excerpts from yeah. the book,
5: yeah. Uh, I haven't read I'm the book. I've
0: just yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds rad.
5: Yeah, um, it's,
0: it's good. Case. Cool. Thing. Uh right now I'm reading I'm reading Dragon Ball, honestly, right now. Hell I've never yeah. read the whole thing through. Which volume are you on? Uh seven. They he just started fighting the, the Red Ribbon Army, uh, okay. which is cool, you know. And so uh, I love to see how um Toriyama took the basic idea because they find all the dragon balls by like book three or book four yeah dude mm-hmm. yeah so they find all the dragon balls by book four and then by book seven you know goku has gone to a new world or new land where it's cold and he doesn't know what yeah. the hell that is you know and he meets up with balma again and they're trying to find the 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 um dragon balls again but I like, you know, I'm just so taken aback at how dumb it is and how brilliant it is in that stupidity. You know, it's the simplicity and the deadline of it where, you know, like I was reading some, I got some new comics and there's this artist who I really like, Yanni uh, Malono Yanni, who is this Greek dude who who did this amazing, probably my favorite cyberpunk comic called Old City Blues uh okay. which is just fucking brilliant um but he got tapped by dc to do batman lately um oh. which you know good for him he's getting paid awesome but the comics are unreadable and not because of him like but i just i just can't read them you know yeah. and so i find so many comics i'm just reading for art and i kind of flip through it or whatever um but i, I will say there's a, a new comic that i really like called amazing fantasy From Marvel by uh, uh, Car Andrews, who is this like virtuoso artist who does all these different styles. And it's like Spider-Man, Captain America and Black Widow on this like weird limbo barbarian fantasy island. It's fucking dope. Like oh, it's really, cool. really cool. He's writing it. It's some real, like kind of subversive Marvel type of stuff, you know, very out of the box, which I was really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Which um, occasionally
3: they do. It seems like that's their best stuff. It's like a- exactly you know, when DC does their else worlds. It's like six issues of like exactly. we're just throwing paint at the wall and see yep. what and what, seeing what sticks. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. So so that and then um uh Jason Miles, who I mentioned earlier, he wrote a comic with Shaky Kane. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Shaky this English dude uh, who draws kind of like if Kirby did a lot of acid, he did. He would do that. It's like this very weird, but very Kirby kind of thing. And his his visual language is so confident. It's just thick lines, really strong. And he did what is still to this day, probably fucking the best superhero comic in the last 20 years called Bulletproof Coffin. Wrote it with David Hine. And hmm. if you haven't read Bulletproof Coffin, you need to learn I yourself. I'm right Need it down to pick right up now. Bulletproof yeah. Coffin. There's two volumes out by Image, uh, uh, and they're two six issue minis. And it's this whole kind of meta thing of like Golden Age heroes and creating comics and this really kind of subversive, weird counterculture of being in comics. And it's just some of the most brilliant stuff I've ever read in my life. Um, so, and tell them about uh, uh, Jason, uh, Jason's comic that he's working on with Shaky. Yeah, so the one he's working on Sh- with Shaky is from the uh, line of All Time Comics that Fantagraphics okay. put out. I don't know if you yeah. guys are familiar with all time comics. Yeah. I've um, seen,
3: I've seen their stuff coming out like on the shelf and I've always like, what is
0: this? That's weird. They're that? Really great. And they're okay. done, you know, it's this great mix of new talent and old talent. And Jason kind of helped out behind the scenes on a bunch of them. And then this one uh that he wrote is with the character called crime destroyer and crime destroyer is amazing. He's like this, uh, uh, kind of like, you know, a little bit of a black exploitation hero, but he's got like giant fists on his shoulders, and he what? wears this big purple cape and a giant C on his on his chest, and he fucking destroys crime. Old school. Old <laughs> school. It's it's so fantastic. And the mix of Jason's writing with Shaky's art is really this quite magical thing. And um, he'd been working on the book for a long time. And uh, Jason's one of those guys that's just like, he creates shit on another level. Like, Denny yeah. and I, we kind of like do dick and fart jokes for kids. Whereas he's like, you know, you read his comics and it's like, whoa, dude, that was like, that was a journey, you know? Yeah. And so it was really cool to see him partner with Shaky um, and have Shaky's art, which had just has this very Lynchian um, offbeatness to it. You know, you read it and yeah. you feel uneasy, but you feel very at home at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? Okay um so so yeah the it, guy that yeah if you're not familiar with his work you should definitely check him out uh yeah. and and jason miles so
3: yeah i wrote all that down yep. I'm all over all of yep. that Dude, i'm telling right. you
0: you're, you're gonna love bulletproof coffin you're gonna read that you'd be like oh shit you that that's know? what i it's, need i need yeah. more of that same here it, like, it is nothing, one of
3: the f- nothing oh, no, gets me more fired up than like a really well done comic it's just a lot of times exactly. you buy comics and there's like there's stuff that's really great about it. And then there's other stuff where you're like, no well, you know, it's okay. But then when you get that, that diamond, that's like, fuck. It, yeah. Where you look at it, you get done reading it and you're like, this is why I got into this, this industry. This is right. why I'm exactly. doing exactly. I want to do exactly.
0: this. Exactly. I mean, it's one of the feet, like I give Denny a bunch of comics and he just humors me and he takes them, you know, and looks through <laughs> them. And then, you know, tells me like, yeah, whatever. But I gave him those and he was just like, do you have more? And I was like, would you read all these? He's like, yeah. Oh, it's like, all right. You know, so I know when Demi reads them all, I'm like, all right, they're really good. Nice. You know, Demi, Demi's pickier than I am. So
4: <laughs> I just have like a
0: fifth grade reading level and I like. To one <laughs> the other <You're>
5: one. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of a fifth grade reading
1: level, Bri, what do you got? Oh, oh nice. Oh. Yeah, no, I've been uh, kind of, uh, Casey, what you were talking about earlier about, you know, most people. When they buy their comics, they let them stack up and don't necessarily read them on that spot. So I've been, uh, I tonight I've been playing catch up on, uh, on my comics. So, uh, nice. I've been catching up. I've read, I'm on issue 121 now, but I read 115 to one, uh, halfway through 121 of the, uh, current Turtles run that's going on. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, I stepped away from it for a little while. Um, just it wasn't it wasn't quite be nice i am i'm saying it wasn't quite for me i'm not you know i'm not saying that it's bad i'm not saying that it's bad like um the art is pretty much always really good and uh you know some of the story stuff um it it took a while for it to kind of pick up i guess but these last few issues that i've read um You know the action in the story has uh, has picked up quite a bit, and they're they're doing some interesting things with uh, with old Oroku Saki. So that's
0: been uh, that's been kind of interesting. Who's doing the book now? I know they changed creative teams. It was uh, Campbell. Yeah, Sophia Campbell.
1: Yeah, she's still uh, now. Well, there was a while where she was only writing, and then she had guest artists on, and now she's for a bunch of them for like three or four of the issues. She was doing both, which I. I really enjoy her art as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, Super. Yeah. the the wow. last couple of issues um, she's been writing and uh, Jody Nishima has been on the art. Hmm. Um, who's, I'm not familiar. Uh, yeah, I'm not either. She's good. The art, the art has been good. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily quite. On the level of Sophie, but it's really good. And then uh, Rhonda Pattinson is, uh,
0: as always, on the colors for Turtles. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She did uh, Shadow Eyes mm-hmm. back in the day. Remember Dimmy? I gave that was one of the first yeah. books I gave him when we started Guttertown because we loved okay. the the really like inky blackness of the cities. Yeah. You know, Shadow Eyes was was really rad. Nice. About you, Tad?
3: Well, I mean. I mean, we've been talking about it for the last two hours. I read Chickaloonies. Yes. That's right. I there mean, you go. which uh, at this point, if I got to convince people how good it is right. and, and try and sell it here, I mean, then I'd, maybe they should just unsubscribe I'm, at I'm, this point.
1: I'm going to read this. I'm going to read Chickaloonies with my seven year old. Um, oh, that's I perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And then I've got uh, a couple of nieces who are really into comics. One of them is actually up and they. Uh, she lives on Kodiak up in Alaska. So I'm going to send a copy to her. Um, That's cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. Yeah. We, we had, I think the, the first day I started selling comics at the bar, which was cool. I mean, that's one of the, the fringe benefits is I, we, we sell comics at the bar. Demi it's made cool. this awesome pointed display thing out of cardboard. Demi's a cardboard master for anybody that doesn't know. Um, and he made this great thing, like a little box to sell it in. And one of my coworkers bought it for his, his nephew who was like eight and the next day, he comes back and he's like, my nephew loved your comic. He's already doing fan art. And I was like, dude, I'm done. I quit. Like I'm good. Yeah. Like that was, that was it. That's all really neat. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I, uh, I feel like we've actually achieved the the whole like making something for kids that they actually enjoy. So that's awesome. I, I really hope your nieces, you know, will enjoy it and your seven-year-old will dig it.
1: Yeah, so, I think he's going to love it. It's awful. Oh, he's going
3: to go. You guys are going to have a Mr. Yelly on your hands. That's what I'm thinking. We already,
1: we already do, man. I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take us home. Do it. All right. Do it. Okay, Tiger Cubs, you know the drill. Uh find us on Substack, bluetigerrevenge.substack.com where you will see all of our episodes, all of our posts, and then uh exciting news too is that this Friday Operation Blue This fr- Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz
1: yeah. we're 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 recording this early, but uh yeah, That's no. Right. This coming Friday the 29th uh Operation Blue, the comic that Tad and I have been working on, is uh, is out. Ooh. Or the first page Ooh. will be first, out. First page. The first page man. will be out for you all, right. all to uh, to view, and it'll nice. be a weekly. Yeah. Uh, you know, new new pages drop on Fridays. You'll be able to find that on Substack on our page. So please go yeah. there, check it out, uh, subscribe, um, rate, review, all that fun shit. If you want to send us an email, uh, Blue Tiger Revenge at Substack dot com. Um, sure.
0: Well that's awesome, guys. Thank that's you. What's yeah, your no. what's your uh what's the book gonna be about?
2: Do you wanna lay it down, Brian? I, I do, I do. So do you, have, do you have a do you have a concise thing like I did? I, I mean, can no, you actually I need to
1: get one though. So it's called it's called Operation Blue, and it's about a covert um covert group of uh of uh operators who are uh
2: cover a group of operators <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right and,
1: <laughs> and they have uh they have to track a monster in the Pacific Northwest, but they don't know Ooh. it's a monster. So So
3: uh, okay. Operation Blue. Blue is an acronym.
1: It is. Ooh, all right. I love this.
3: And it, so Operation Blue stands for the operational engagement of biological terrestrials and lucis natura by means of unconventional enforcement.
0: Thank you. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, so, dude. Yeah. It'll be fun. Whoa. I'm excited. Putting GI Joe to shame, right there. That's right. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited
1: what? for the Cubs to uh, to get a look at this. Yeah. What?
3: What if I told you there was a biological experiment? by our own government going on deep in the Olympic mountain range of Washington state where they're, they're creating a hybrid.
1: Yep. Of a, well, go ahead,
3: go ahead. Of of a Kodiak, Kodiak, grizzly bear.
1: And a gorilla. And
3: a, and a mountain gorilla. My God, think of the, the carnage, the the carnage and destruction this creature (laughs) would be capable of.
1: Can it be killed? We don't know you're gonna we'll have, have to, have to, a find, out on to it? find out yeah <laughs> have to find out yeah and who is this ragtag group brought together well that's something yeah. else you're gonna have to find out
0: cool guys well All awesome right. i'm, I'm that's glad that you guys are collaborating you know i can definitely feel like y'all got stories so that's really cool
3: i have so many things <laughs> so many things <laughs> So many things in the works that
0: need to get see, finished. See, Tad, you just you got to quit fucking doing comics for other people, man. Just tell your wife you guys are going to be poor and, uh, but yep. you'll be fulfilled. That's and, right. And, you know, you might sleep on the couch, but, you know, then, that's the sacrifice you got to make. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. That's yeah. what you do. That's the sacrifice. So. That's
1: right. Absolutely. But yeah. So that's, yeah, uh, this, oh, go ahead. This Friday. This,
3: this Friday. Friday. This Friday. Subscribe. Check it out.
0: That's right. okay
1: yeah, um, And that's all I have, Tad. Oh, actually, that's not all I have because I want. I did not thank Casey and Demi for coming on the show and talking about Chickaloons. Chickaloons.
0: Oh, well, Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, 90% Studios, Chickaloons, you know, whatever. It's all the same. I thought it was 80%. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, I got him.
1: Yeah, did. Yes. I'm tired, God damn it <laughs>
0: 80%, 90%. Oh, man somewhere in there but no really guys we really appreciate it this has been this has been a fun kind of you know usually when we do these it's so like we got our you know rolls down and our scripts and whatnot of what we say Um, you know? so this has been a lot of fun so yeah we, we really threw
1: all that shit it. out the window
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's certainly a- no we, we we just yeah toss that yeah good times uh, yeah cool, guys well hope to do it again soon when we get more stuff we'll have about more things
3: Oh, so. volume two. We're definitely throwing oh. down
1: again. Oh, got yeah. It. oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a must. That'll be a must. So, so all right, Tad. Well, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? I'm all out of Tiger Milk. Well, if that's the case,
2: we're about talk- the music. Ow. Sorry. back.